Hello, everyone, and welcome to State of the Realm, your weekly Final Fantasy XIV podcast. It's obvious what this show is about. We talk about the latest patch 5.35, the Abajan Southern Front, Castrum Lacus Latore. How's it doing? Oh, yeah, and I guess if we have anything to say about Sky Steel Tools or housing, I mean, that's always a, a thing, I guess, because, you know, that's everyone wants to talk about that. But anyway, let's get started. One of your hosts, Mr. Happy, of course, you know him, Sly, here, as always. What's going on, man? Hi. What's going on? How you doing? I'm I'm on a high right now, but we'll talk about that when we get into the show. Mm-hmm. Not like so not good. like an act. I might live in California, but it's not an actual high. Just to be clear, just want to. It's a high. It's a high. It's okay. High it's, on it's, it's a natural high. Yeah, it's a natural high. Right. It's, that's it. There you go. And uh, to talk about Abazja, I'd uh, like to bring on a guest we haven't had on in a while. Someone who, uh, along with many of our other uh, companions. Spends way too much time on launch content, especially when it's something like Eureka or some sort of promise of a Baldessian Arsenal equivalent or anything that's going to be coming in the future. We got Svia here. How you doing, Svia? Doing good. Just woke up from a good old nap, so I'm feeling fantastic right now. Thanks for having me on. Glad to hear. Yeah, Glad to say awesome. yes. I, I did the thing, Sly, where he just shows up in... in well, actually, no. Did, were you in my chat and I just asked you, or did I DM you on... No, I DM'd you on Discord this time. Yeah. Yes. I asked you in the middle of a castrum run what time you wanted to go. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I was there for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there was ever an asking me if I wanted to come on. It was more of a, hey, how does this time work? And I was like, yeah. No, that's sure, not true. I said, hey, do you say, do you want to do state of the realm? And you said, yeah, sure. And I said, okay, which time? Don't act like I didn't give you a choice in the matter. They go, they go yell at me. I'm going to just pretend that never happened. I'm here as like. Well, if you pretend it doesn't happen, then it didn't happen. <laughs> so, right. He's here against his will, folks. Yeah. Sorry. It's, he'd rather we, be we, doing Bajra right now. <laughs> yeah. If you weren't here, would you be in Bajra right now? Be honest with me. Lack of runs? Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Which, also which means probably. Yeah, probably. Which means most likely, which means yes. Okay. Yes. I see how it works. Well, before we get started talking about patch 5.35, quick shout out to our sponsors. Of course, Steel Series has been sponsoring State of the Realm and my channel in general for the past several years, and that's you know true for this week as it always is. There's a giveaway under the description in the YouTube video. There's also a discount code if you want to check out any of the products themselves. They'll probably have a Black Friday sale coming up next month as well if you want to wait for that. Because you can probably get a discount better than the 12% one I give you. But you can get mine whenever you want. So be sure to check that out. Also, thank you to our patrons whose names are scrolling in the top right corner of the video. We'll give you guys a later shout out a little bit later. But your names will be there the whole time. So it'll be okay. All right, boys. I need this before we start. Mm. Uh, my whiskey. On the rocks. It's had a little bit of time to sit. So it's kind of chilled. It's a little, little too cold for my liking. But it's been a hell of a week. A hell of a week. How long has it been now? It's been, oh, it's Saturday, yeah. Well, well, it's Saturday for you. It's Friday for for us over here. So yeah, it's it's been since uh, Tuesday morning for for us, and I guess it was Tuesday evening for you at yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. So it, it must have hit Wednesday almost immediately, though, given the, what I just learned about the time zones. Couldn't have been Tuesday for long by the time it <laughs> launched. Yeah, it goes up at like 11 p.m. or something during daylight saving. So it, it was late, but it's been what three and a bit days. Yeah, and it feels like it's been an eternity, and not for a bad reason, just when you only see, you know, one thing for three, four days straight, it uh, it feels like the only thing that that matters. Um, as much as I want to hop into Bajja, 
I would like to open the floor to the other two things that happened in 5.35, if either of you have anything to say about them in that of the Sky Steel Tools or the housing thing, which always goes the same way, which is almost... It's almost not worth talking about, but at the same time, it's a conversation that always happens every time new housing hits, so... I actually have a story. Okay. A story of mis... Misfortune. Not even misfortune. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't even pissed about it. Um, friend of mine, huge shout out to Data Dave. You know Data Dave. Yeah, I know Dave. Um, yeah. So... I was, I was, you know, on stream, you know, we were just waiting on a patch and Dave come in, comes in and say, Hey, 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 Sly, I'm pretty happy for the patch. I'm ready to get a house. Like, nice. Uh, do you know, do you know, uh, what area you want to get? No. I'm sorry. What? Wait, wait. So you don't know what housing area you, you want to get a house in? Nah. Okay. All right. And then to take it even further, he's on Leviathan. That's his server. He logged out on Exodus. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Dave, uh, I just want to say good luck. Like first, let, let's just, let's just workshop some ideas. Uh, what do you like? Shiragane. Okay, perfect. You're trying to get a large? Okay, there are a few options. We brought up some maps and everything. Um, push comes to shove. You might have to settle. And then, you know, the login gets here and everything. The play button goes live. Nah, he, he's like a thousand and some change in the queue. I'm like, yeah. Um, it was nice while it lasted, Dave, but, uh, there's some smalls. There's always Ishgard. Maybe. So, yeah. You might have to settle is the most Final Fantasy fourteen thing you could say about housing when it comes to people getting the house they want versus <laughs> getting a house at all. You might have to settle. <laughs> My thing is, like, like he, he just didn't know. He just didn't know people already GDQ'd their housing plan. Like, they, they had strats. People had strats. People speed run to get to the plot they wanted. Like, he, he didn't know how serious it was. It's funny, because even Yoshi P in the live letter said people have been speed running the routes to the house that they want. Mm-hmm. And, and I heard tell, and I should have saw this. I, I might have to check this out on um, Mary's Mary's um, Twitter. Yeah. He, he Because he... Uh, he uh, he got a picture of it. The tweet that Square Enix had, or the the uh, the team had about housing, and they said it was like a an emoji of a guy running to a house, and then they said they pulled it down. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, you, you see my reaction to housing when I when I laugh at the shit Happy says about housing, and I just burst out. They. The devs feel the same way. Yo, we need, chat Chat brings up a good idea. We need a housing patch to drop in the middle of a GDQ week, and they need a, a, a fucking housing percentage on GDQ to say, just like a, <laughs> just like a bonus. <laughs> so um, the, the interesting thing about this housing in particular is that they changed the way they do it for the first time in like, well, this is the first time they've had it completely open in 
a couple of years yes, now. Yes, I right? forgot about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that caught a lot of people by surprise, but usually you can only relocate as soon as things come up, or you can only purchase four FCs. But they made it mm-hmm. so anyone can get one, uh, no matter what size or anything like that. Uh, so that made things a lot more hotly contested. Yeah, to say the least, because at least some people with FCs, sometimes they'll buy it on the FC, and then, like, when the they can give it to the individual, they'll, like, do, like, a black market trade to, like, try to get it to that. Like, they, they'll, like, relocate one, and then the, uh, the personal person will have their own, and they'll relocate to the spot, and it's, like, an, a whole thing. But, no, this was just guns blazing, everyone. Yeah. Just out the gate. Uh, I forgot about that. Like, I don't pay attention to housing because I just don't. It's not... I can't. What? What? I don't even know what I just said, but... It's... See, the funny thing about it, <clears throat> I know this was the Baja, Baja patch, and everybody got on, everybody went to the Dome and Enclave. I went to Shiragane. Like, just to fucking laugh. Like, I know, <laughs> I'm like... Just to laugh. <laughs> just to laugh. Just to see if somebody actually tries to trade me. I'm like, bro, you got a house. Don't worry about me. You're about to lose yours. That's not true. I don't have a house. My girlfriend has a house. My FC has a house. I have an apartment. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Like, I have an apartment. I have a room in the FC house. I'm fine. Like, if anyone traded me, like, just stop me from, like, doing anything, I would just laugh. I would just sit there and laugh. I like watching the world burn, apparently. Really, though, they have to know that, given Shadowbringer's popularity, this this won't keep working. Like, they have to be, it's, like, they, were, they already knew, but, like, they gotta really know now. <laughs> it's a band-aid. It will, any further wards they add will still be a band-aid. It, it's like, we're, we're patching up something that can't be patched up. Like, like I said, there's really, when you ask the question, like, what's the solution for the housing crisis? And, do-over is the solution. Yeah. I mean, how long have we been doing the exact same Band-Aid for, though? Cause Ever. It's too yeah. goddamn long, yes. Yeah, and essentially it's it's the same complaints you heard back in Realm Reborn when it first came out. It's Nothing's changed. Housing in 5.3.5 is housing in, what was it, 2.1 it came out? No, it was before that. No, I think it was, it was 2.1. It might have been. I think it was. It was, and I think it was. It was not only two point like one. It was. It was two point one proper, not like point one one. They just waited like six hours before they let people start buying, or something. They like made the servers be up for a certain period of time. I have to go back and check, but I remember us waiting while being in the game to make our first purchase. Hmm. That makes sense. So, it's been a long time though. I mean, this, God, it's been over seven years at this point since the game came out. So almost seven years since two point one. Give it a few more months. I think it was like December or something for 2.1. So, yeah. It's, there's, a, there's a lot of bandages. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of bandages and all of them are healing. Mm-hmm. Do, you think, do you think, though, the solution still lies in housing? Or do you think that, that maybe updating the apartment system would, would heal since they, those are massively available? Uh, you know what? A, okay, you know what apartments are? Settling. Yeah. I mean, apartments are set. Here's the thing. So I remember when this all, when this all started in 2.1, and we said in Final Fantasy XI, we got a rent a house and we were happy with it because it was the only option. 
if apartments were the only option, it's a question of would people consider it settling still, or would they look at how much other MMOs housing has developed, like Wildstar way back when, when it existed, and other MMOs as well, um, and see how they've kind of moved the bar forward and just have wanted that mm-hmm. instead. Aloha. I'm in the middle of a podcast, and you just flew my door wide open. <laughs> Damn cat. Yeah, I'm hoping Ishgard's instance housing. Not going to lie. <laughs> Big part of me hopes it is, and not, you know, wards and subdivisions and everything. But, uh, yeah, none of us care about Sky Steel Tools, do we? I, I don't honestly don't even know what they are. <laughs> They're the the crafter, the crafting and gathering relics from uh Ishgard. Okay, relics now? Well, yeah. yeah, as close as you can consider. They're they're worse than the best possible crafting tools, but they're but they're grindable. So yeah. So they're essentially relics. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Hey yeah. man, some of these relics now are bis. I think White Mage is bis. I think I think Astro I think, is bis. Yeah, I think all the healer ones. That's just because of the substats on the Well, it's be, yeah, and it's because of Hot five garbage. direct hit five direct hit melds will always do the trick. It's also all of the healer weapons are debt piety. The raid ones. Yeah. All yeah. of them. Jesus. Debt piety. Yeah. I don't know why they did that. That'll that'll do the trick. So alright, so yeah, that kind of leads us into the main conversation for today, and that is the Bajan Southern Front. Now this is the second step of our resistance weapon quest lines, the second step of the Save the Queen side story quest. And I guess our continuation of our, our good old Evil East raids of some of our uh, favorite characters from times past. So before we get into the specifics, I'd like to open the floor to a general thoughts, because uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll touch on everything independently, but I'm sure there's uh, an emotion you feel having spent as many hours in it the past few days that you could probably get out in a you know a paragraph or two. So Sophia, you're the guest. Uh, you've spent more time than both Sly and I in there. I, I say that comfortably. So I feel like you're the best one to start us off there. Okay. General thoughts would be, it's very cool in concept. A lot of things are new. A lot of things are fresh. Uh, they've missed the mark on the execution of some of these ideas, but overall it's a good baseline for what should be really good continuous content. But the problems in execution stick out a lot. So it, uh, if you're in there as much as I am, it really puts a damper on it. But if you're not in there f- for that in that manner or in that for that reason... Uh, it's not nearly as probably glaring as I find it. Okay. Um, now, to extrapolate on that before we get to Sly's thoughts, um, a solid base seems like something we talk about a lot with Final Fantasy XIV, where a lot of ideas come out in their most basic elements. Um, yeah. I, I'd say a lot of people are definitely comparing this directly to Animos way back when, when Eureka was given its most basic, which was then, you know, people said they looked back at Diadem, for example, so it keeps going back and back. Um, would you say there's lessons learned, at the very least, from the times past, looking yes. back at Eureka and then looking back even further to Diadem? Absolutely. Uh, there's been specific things which there has been feedback given about... I mean, we can look at Eureka, because this is basically a polished Eureka. Um, and you can see things that were specifically given feedback about in Eureka now fixed within uh, within Bozier. And that's really good to see. But... The things that they've tried, uh, new now are a little bit, feels like they've not really extrapolated how that play out when you have as many people as they do in there. 
I feel like I know exactly what you're talking about every single time, and I can't wait to get to it. Because <laughs> I know, I feel like I know exactly the one thing you're talking about right now. It's actually more I'm than curious. one thing. But there's one about. big thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. Oh, you, yeah, I'm kind of curious. You want to get straight into it? No, no, no. Sly, yeah, no, Sly, no, Sly, no, 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 Sly. We're doing general thoughts right now. Stay on, stay okay, on track, okay. Sly. I know we're used to going off the hinges on this show, but we're gonna we're gonna keep it on an, on a steady a steady rail as long as we can. When we veer off, that's when all chaos is gonna break loose. Okay. Okay. Right. So Sly, yeah. uh, you've also been spending a lot of time. You you hated and stayed away from Eureka, so it's a big change for you to be kind of doing. That. I wouldn't say I I hated and stay away from it. Sly. I mean, I did it. I did it. Sly. I just didn't do BA. Yeah, but how long did it take before you were actually, you cared enough about Eureka to really do it? You didn't do Pagos all the way to 35 when it first came out. I know you did. <laughs> and that was a stop point for you for a long time. <laughs> it, wasn't a, it wasn't that long. It was a while. It was, it was a while, Sly, because I remember I was trying to talk about Eureka, and you're like, great. Because <laughs> I was busy I having fun, so except in Pagos. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people had that. You say yeah, having fun. <laughs> I had fun in Pyros. Listen, I had fun there, okay? Pagos, I didn't. I played <laughs> Final Fantasy XI instead when Pagos came out. They wanted me to play Final Fantasy XI, I went and played Final yeah. Fantasy XI. That's what they asked. It's the same thing. Exa no, it was actually <laughs> better than Pagos, but that's fine. And I don't say that very often. So, where does but, your yeah, general um... thought sit? Slide. Given your experience with Eureka over the course of the expansion of Stormblood and your first uh, dive into Bajdu here, it felt really. It felt really good. I mean, I can go ahead and say it felt really good. Um, I didn't at one like at any point in time feel like. I mean, of course it's a grind, but it didn't feel like a grind. It didn't feel as grindy. As Eureka, and and I'm glad they 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 did it that way. Um, one like criticals are are all were always fun. Um, some painful. Uh, uh, it, it's interesting to see the one v ones, and you you cleared one v ones. It's interesting to get that knowledge. You know, and hope and pray that you get in, you get picked. But yeah, they, they, they've definitely listened to feedback and they, I, I believe they did a really good job on, uh, Basha. So. I echo most of your two sentiments. I go last so people don't have to hear me for as long since I host for the <laughs> most part. Um, I've been really enjoying it. I definitely don't see me spending the same a length of time as I do in Eureka, but that's, not kind of altogether due to Baja itself. That's more so it doesn't mm -hmm. it doesn't demand that same I guess time investment if I don't really want to, but I still kind of do mm -hmm. want to. It's it's weird. It's a weird spot because I've got other games coming up that I'm like thinking about, and so part of me is like Baja is less grindy, so and it kind of fits what I need it to fit. But at the same time, and we'll talk about this more in depth 
the grind is maybe toned down too much for some people who really like to invest all their time into one game and playing one game for a long period of time. But that's kind of Final Fantasy XIV in a nutshell. So this just this activity is just more in line with the average uh, goal of Final Fantasy XIV. I'll talk a little bit more in depth about that when we get to that specific point because we kind of want to handle most of the Bajja talking talking about Bajja a bit chronologically. So. As much as we want to go into the things Fia and I keep alluding to, as much as Sly really wants us to talk about that, since I know at least one of the things we we share an opinion about that, we kind of got to start from the beginning, because uh, Bajja feels a lot more story-charged than Eureka was. Eureka was set up all the way back in 2.1. This was set up through the Evil East raids, plus uh, a prior patch that we had with patch 5.25, which set up the Save the Queen and the Resistance Weapon questline. And that kind of that's very apparent very quickly when you get in here because the way they've decided to do this one zone is sectioning off portions of it via story quests and cutscenes and actually getting out and doing the events in the in the in the world. So when we first got in there, we were blind. What are what are kind of the first reactions you had to things like the skirmishes and the critical engagements? Because that's the majority of what you're doing in there. So I feel like starting with those is probably the most important, because you don't even have lost actions when you first get in there. They want you to kill a few monsters. So you're literally going to be running to that first skirmish, and that's going to be the first thing you see of this zone as a new player. Uh, we started with Feel last time. Sly, where where were you at when we first zoned in? Um, You know, I went around and got the talk to the people, got the uh, initial spiel of Bajja. What's, what's kind of funny is, like, like they kind of like if you talk to the, I forget what his name was. It, it's kind of like they give you a TOS and you have to accept it. It's like, yeah, this is this is what what, what Bosch is about. Make sure you understand this. Do you understand? Yes. Okay. Now you can go to Bosch. And, and then after that, yeah, I went and um, uh, did the first like quest and told me to kill a few mobs and then. There was a skirmish, and I'm like, why not? Why not? It's a, it just felt like a fate, and I did it, and it was pretty fun. That's it? That's, that's, you just did the skirmish, and it was fun. You don't have any sort of feelings about how similar it is to a fate? Because with Eureka, we only had notorious monsters. That was it. We had, you, you went to a spot, you maybe killed mobs, you spawned a notorious monster. These are very much like, here's a supply fate, it's... here's a kill the target fate, here's a protection fate, etc., etc. It is, it's exactly like a fate, and it, it's simple. And I think that's what drives this, like, that's what drives home that this is, you know, it's not really a grind. It, it's interactive, it's interactive at some points. This makes, like, you know, you, you have fate chains, you have skirmish chains and whatnot, and then that'll lead to, potentially lead to a critical. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's good in its simplicity, I think. It's unusual to hear that because generally when we talk about fates, we talk about yokais, then we groan, right? So how how does how have you separated your opinion of fates in general, which you know we always mock in the overworld versus here because they are the overlap is is undeniable. Yeah, yeah. I, I told people like everyone who did yokai watch, like you should have no fucking problems doing it. Oh, good for you. <laughs> good, glad you did it. Um, yeah, you should have no problems. And, like, I just, again, it was part of the ranking. It was part of a way to get metal, and I just accepted it. And 
and kind of did it. Like, it's just, there's no real, there's no real feeling attached to it, I guess. No real emotion. Um, the criticals draw more emotion to me. And we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, yeah the skirmishes themselves, um, yeah, they were just, they were just kind of a necessary evil. If you were grinding metal, if you're getting ranked, that's something you had to do. And you just did it. So, Sophia, build on that emotion <laughs> about skirmishes and critical engagement. So, uh, like us, you've played this game for many years. I'm sure you have your own opinions on fates in general and how you feel about them. What about with your so, with you for skirmishes? How how was the reception to that initially? Initially, it was kind of weird because having gone through Eureka, now there's no reason to well. We thought no reason to go out there and actually just hit mobs, right? You don't go out there and, and just farm mobs in between spawns. Uh, I think what worked well about the skirmishes was the pacing. That you always felt like you had something to do in there, which you didn't always do in Eureka. Uh, often you don't, like, depending on how attentive you are being in Eureka, you would be doing something ranging from every minute to every 30 minutes while something spawned, which someone else did for you. Whereas in Boja, you you literally always have something to do. Like, you're always prioritizing this skirmish over this skirmish. We're going to go here, then here, then here. And by the time you've finished your route, oh, there's more stuff coming back up. Now we're going to go back over here. It was, uh, it's very fast-paced, and the I think the diversity of the style of fates made it feel not as bad as regular fate grinding, because they were new. They had new exciting mechanics in them. They actually had Really, really strong NPCs who just kill skirmishes that you aren't at. Uh, it was kind of new, but really familiar, so it, it, I think it worked okay. Uh, but they definitely did trick us into doing phase in an instance again, round three. <laughs> um, but I think this was the best iteration of it so far. Yeah, one of the biggest things for me is that a lot of these fates and a lot of the things that happen in the zone feel much more driven to the events of the story. I I, I watched all the cutscenes. I didn't care what rank everyone else was around me. I stopped and watched every cutscene because that's one of the biggest excitements for me here. And as I'm doing these fates, I'm running logs, which have data entries about the various characters that I'm either fighting with or I'm fighting against. There's dialogue going on. There's actual story chains taking place across the various fates and critical engagements. And that, for lack of a better word, kept me engaged constantly because I did want to collect these things. And I did want to see these characters move on to the higher tiers of the of the different zones and everything. So I felt more invested in what was actually happening with the fates, um, which is something they rarely try to capture uh, super well in the overworld ones. They do occasionally. They have, like, the 17-part chain in, like, uh, in the Ozium Step, and they have, you know, the, the elves in Lakeland. But this was that the whole time, which was a lot more uh, effective in encouraging me to get out there and be involved in them. That's how I felt, at the very least. One big thing also, you mentioned the pacing of skirmishes, um, but you also mentioned the random monsters, which were not useless at all. And we found that they they did a very elaborate, I guess not elaborate, they did a very thorough job of making us want to figure out what everything dropped 
because we wanted to be able to earn the various lost actions. So, um, did you, I know the group I was running with was constantly looking at like just killing a monster in each zone and seeing what it dropped. Did you guys go through something similar? Oh, absolutely. I remember we did our first skirmish and then we saw the big scorpion, which had a star next to its name. And, uh, yeah, we're like, sure, let's pull that. And then Sindolf proceeded to almost get one shot by an auto attack. It was brilliant. Um, no, it was really, really engaging that it made you want to go and kill things, but you had to know what you wanted to go and kill specifically, uh, which was cool. It just meant that you had more to test, more to figure out, more to learn, which is, you know, that's kind of why I play the game. So those sorts of things are cool and engaging for me. And did you do any of that slide? Did you let everyone else just come to you while you're doing skirmishes? They were like, we're doing this. And you're like, cool. I I had it, well, I saw the mobs, and I'm like, hey, this looks interesting. I think the first one, I was like, I tapped it. I did it. That's a dream. And uh, it, it was the one right outside the first area. It's the fern. The fern. So I tapped flower, it and yeah. just get, yeah. I tapped it and get one shot. I'm like, wait, yeah, that's not normal. Oh, okay, that, that that's interesting. And, you know, this is before we, we kind of figured out the whole death thing and to use actions and whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, we should probably uh, kind of look at these and first day, nobody. Almost nobody wanted to fuck with them. And then and then I go over in the second area and I see the Sabotenders, but past that I see the Red Chocobos. I'm like, okay, this has to spawn something. Like, can, can, we, can we hit some Red Chocobos? And everybody's like, Skirmish, skirmish, skirmish. I'm like, can I just hit a red chocobo, please? Skirmish, skirmish, skirmish. I'm like, and, and eventually somebody takes it upon themselves to kill some red chocobos and spawn Char. And that's what, I, that's what I call it because the red comet is a, an allusion to Char from Gundam. Um, but yeah, but yeah, um, he is, he drops colonies on us. As meteors, but they're colonies. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I kind of noticed that certain, certain mobs would, you know, drop certain fragments or I, I kind of got it in the idea in my head that this probably is attached to some kind of either had to be a skirmish or more than likely a critical. Um, get to the third area, you see behemoths. The, the, uh, undead beings. Like, oh shit, that has to be something. Lo and behold, an un- a giant undead behemoth, which was actually one of the more fun ones. It's simple, but really fun. But yeah, um, yeah, so I, in between skirmishes, I would, you know, go off and, you know, try to find things, try to do things. Uh, again, the first day, people were scared. Really scared of star mobs. They, oh, they're like, still they really scared. Want to talk. They're <laughs> the still ones who scared. don't know are scared. The ones who don't know are scared. Yeah, yeah. And I'm me, my my dumbass, and I'm taking bring one of my friends. I'm like, okay, did you bring death? Yeah. All right. I'm the rest of our party is doing skirmishes. I'm, like, I'm gonna try to death it. If it doesn't work, you death it. If it doesn't work, just fucking run. And yeah, like some will get, some we don't. And again, it's it's based on. Again, death is based on uh, how low it is. Some some will die at full full uh, HP. It's just a really low chance. But yeah, and that so actually- what a lot of people don't know about that specifically, just a pointer 
is that you can actually sleep them on healers. On White Mage, you can cast Repose, it puts them to sleep, death doesn't wake them up. Oh, I, so I figured that out damn. real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to know what Keo was evil. doing? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. He would just run around in our party. We'd be doing something no, else. No, but oh, exactly just... what he was doing. He, every time he'd use one death, he'd just pop another one so he could do it instantly if it failed. Because yeah. you, if, if you use another action, it resets the cooldown of it. So he would go, death mm-hmm. fail, pfft, death fail, Because he had like 200 yeah. of them, so he didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the most, one of the most common ones that you get. It was so funny. Mm-hmm. It was so funny to see that. And that kind of moves into the next point, because like you said, we started killing the monsters, we started killing the skirmishes, whatever, and we start collecting uh, these fragments of memory, which are similar to the things that let you get the Logos actions in Eureka. These allow you to earn lost actions. Now, I don't remember. They're in my inventory, but I didn't look before the show to double-check this. But um, I don't remember the ones for the Logos actions listing the actions that they actually had in the description of them. And these do. As soon as you pick them up, you know exactly what they are going to do. So that's one of those little things that I have to give them some points on because it's I didn't even think of them doing that. It never crossed my mind, but they they did. And it works really well for those looking to collect all of the various actions. <laughs> and then I have to give them more points because they did Logos actions better than Eureka here by a long shot. Uh, so I would really you like to go into more detail? Because, as, as, again... You've spent a lot more time in there than, than we have, so. Yeah. Logo sections in Eureka were really cool, and they were really unique, and they diversified playstyles a lot. Like, you could go out and just be a full-on DPS warrior who also killed himself at the same time, so he needed a pocket healer specifically just to put out the max damage, uh, all these sorts of things. You could essentially be invincible if you wanted to. Um, and they've sort of kept what... The, the core essence of that was the problem was the kind of usability of these logo sections and being able to have good loadouts, you know, reliably and just the how unwieldy it was became a bit of a problem for a lot of people, uh, which they really, really kind of ironed out in Boja now. The, the holster is very, very cool. I think I didn't expect that at all going into it. Being able to have specific loadouts that you can click a button and you've all of a sudden got exactly what you need. So for anyone trying to farm 1v1s, you can literally have a loadout for every single boss preloaded that you trigger the 1v1, you see which boss you're fighting, you click the button, you say, I want this loadout, and now you've got everything you need uh, there and good to go. Um... But it's also the fact that you don't need to go back to town every single time you want to change anything. You can slot things in from your holster. You can, you know, just on the fly put things in and out. Uh, just made it a lot more fun. The the actions themselves are almost direct copy pastes. Uh, there's very little that's that's new or innovative in there. They're usually the same thing with a little bit of a twist or some things tuned up and tuned down because there were some pretty egregious outliers in uh, Eureka of strength there um it feels like they've tried to aim for a more balanced uh spread across the board now in terms of how good things are but it's essentially the same thing that there are for the most part all the actions that you would have had there's something that the equivalent of now um the 
way to get them though is a lot more user friendly and also it feels more rewarding. Did you feel the same? Sly. Oh, with most, yes. Um, figuring out <clears throat> like certain, like certain areas you're getting the, these actions or these, these essences and then like trying to kind of piece together and, and you know, you know, process of elimination. Okay, where am I getting this one at? Like that might be from that might be from uh like something else. Maybe a quest. Maybe oh, and then you realize Castrum. Oh, something has to come from Castrum. So like the the discovery, the like the discovery, like discovering where you get them, how you get them, oh, was was kind of refreshing to me. Hmm. For me, the big thing is the way the actions are done makes hunting them down more rewarding. Uh, looking back at Logos, the crafting system, it seemed neat at the time, but like you said, it was not the most user-friendly system. The actual discovery of the actions mm-hmm. pretty much was a constant set of failures until something clicked, and then eventually you found everything. It drew out that discovery process, which made finding something a little bit more fun. But then when you realized if you wanted those actions, you have to go back and still re-participate in this crafting session where you could even fail the crafts altogether and essentially undo work or get frustrating situations or it would completely discourage you from trying certain combinations that seemed really cool because the chance of failure was really high and actually getting them. There's all sorts of things like that unless you were really, really dedicated. Most people just kind of skirted by with, you know, a few of the basic ones, maybe something that increased damage, maybe, you know, something that increased tankiness or healing. A lot of people didn't venture too far out unless they played it a lot. In this, you immediately can just go into experimenting in any way possible as long as your role or job can actually access the action. Because you get the action, you have the action. That's it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about anything like that. Also... They separated categories in a way that makes experimenting with more items and more actions more interesting. You have an essence, which is essentially a stance that can do anything to just boost your efficiency, boost your damage on a healer, or boost your tankiness on a tank, to swapping your roles entirely as a passive in regards to maybe making you take more damage, but you deal a whole lot more, such as a regular. You have re-raisers, which act as kind of the spirit of the remembered, but they're just a little bit more direct. You can hold more of them. You can get auto-potion kits. There's synergy between potions you pick up and the individual skills that can enhance effects. There's a lot of things to experiment with with this, and it's a lot more fun. Even if at the end you can only hold two actions, you can have a slew of items to actually do certain things with on the fly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what you're talking about with the, the crafting of them in Eureka... A really good example of that is I made some joke of a video back when Eureka was relevant. We're doing BA. Uh, essentially, I was doing something on Black Mage, which was costing me about 6 million gil per run through BA just by using really expensive actions and then just cycling through them. You know how you'd like... Oh, is that the magic the burst? The ma- where you just magic yeah. burst when it ends, magic burst, magic... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And those were really expensive to have like the, the really powerful spirit and then the... Uh, the magic burst. You know, the first couple of days, I could have sold those and made a killing, but to do the most damage, you'd... it was the 7 million gil rotation. It was... <laughs> my, my wallet is still suffering for it. But that's not a thing now, right? If I want to do that now, I go say, oh, I need these things, so I'll go farm this particular mob. 
uh, oh, I'm running out of Lost Swift, I can go farm this particular mob. It's It seems so much more rewarding and, like, you have more control over what you're doing, which is always good, always fun. Have you found any combinations no. that you like having fun with Sly, out of curiosity? Because I'm used to playing... He, I'm used to seeing Sphere play Caster. I'm used to actually doing Healer in content like this. But I don't know anything about any of the fun DPS stuff. I know, I know about Machinist, I know about Warrior. Those are the only fun things I know. Have you found anything that you find particularly fun that you kind of like to go off the wall with? I haven't really experimented. I, I want to experiment with the kind of double-edged edge actions but like when i was um when i got into cash room for like a serious cash room run i i was like yeah i'm, I'm not gonna take this i'm just gonna play it safe i'm gonna take a plate bearer essence and and keep my survivability up you know i want to learn i don't want to die i don't want to lose metal um uh once i got it lost fought on power Seemed good on paper. Um, what else? What else was there? Um, yeah, outside of cash room, I really didn't play around with a lot, and I should have. Um, especially first day. A lot of people were really sleeping on actions first day, but yeah, I, I really want to experiment more with actions. Uh, with the, like, to me right now, what, what I was trying to do is collect. I was all about, like, filling out the table, seeing what I'm missing, seeing how to get it. Yeah, I was just in, I'm just been in collect mode. Sly, it's funny you mentioned day one people sleeping on actions because, uh, Lost Swift, which lets you run faster than a mount, became one of the first things that I really saw and used in hilarious fashion. But every time I use it, mm-hmm. I can't help but imagine, and I want to actually do like a, like a quick, not, I guess I wouldn't even call it a machinima, of me running through Baja and then like a here paladin running past and he just says with Swift and he just goes on your left. And you just do that in three different locations. <laughs> and I'm just like, I immediately saw memes. All I saw were memes when I started seeing people using Lost Swift. And it was, it was wonderful. And I, I saw that right from day one, thankfully. So I've been thinking about yeah. that nonstop for like three days at this point. Yeah. One of the most fun things about the getting, you know, logo sections and lost actions is new ways to play jobs and like crazy interactions mm-hmm. you can do. Like I've seen a, a 1.55 second GCD monk. That used the the haste stance, where every time you get hit, it gives you a stacking buff, and then when you hit the the max stacks, it all of a sudden makes you go super fast. Uh, combine that with you know haste gear and stuff, and just cool little things like that. Just people messing around, having fun with things, and like you can't ever get that sort of gameplay anywhere else. No, uh, no. so it's it's very cool to just go in there and have a blast with it. Nah, we we had this conversation. Before Bajja, and you were excited about one thing with actions, one thing with fragments in particular, the market. Market ain't there, son. How's that? <laughs> Unless you're selling the cash from the cash from one. Actually, okay. So here, so here's the thing. Here's the here's the ones that don't sell for shit. In my experience, uh, last I looked, mm-hmm. skill didn't sell for anything. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was care didn't sell for anything. But ones that have started to kind of fluctuate as people start to attempt the 1v1s more, uh, I think it's preparation people have started paying a little mm-hmm. more attention to because those give you a re-raise. All the ones from Bajra are doing okay in terms of price because they're more powerful. 
potions, the dynamist dice thing, and mimic are pretty hilarious since uh, you can do some fun things with them and you can mess around at the the RNG of the dice and whatnot. Um, but then there's some like reflect and braver, like ones that people can do kind of in the old Eureka methods, like reflect grinding or things that drop really common, like awakenings, for example, from like Chocobos. I see things like that. So the market's there, but I don't feel inclined to participate in it outside of selling things like mounts or minions, if even that, because those are tanking on the daily because more and more people are getting them. <laughs> so uh, it's it's not the market I want it. Unless you get really lucky in cash room and you sell the augment items or the minion or something for a massive amount. And I would know that because I paid runners. 8 million for an augment earlier because it was a leg augment. And I was like, that's pretty cheap for a leg augment this early. And the body augment was 20 mil, so I said, I'm not doing that. I'll buy the leg augment. So, yeah, the there's one thing that kind of helps the market with the, the logograms. Is that what they call it? No, fragments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which is the fact that what is essentially Cassie earrings now comes from an achievement just from appraising a thousand of them. And you get that pretty easily just by playing the game, but I know a lot of people who just went in day one and just bought out the market board. Uh, there are responses I've seen on Twitter where people literally spent 10, 10 million gil day one just to get those earrings as soon as possible. Um, because haste is really, really strong. It's a cool stat. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll get to talk but, about that later. I've got words for yeah. that. Uh, but that is part of the driving force behind a lot of uh, these fragments actually selling still. I know that um, Logograms, even to this day, have a pretty decent market, much to people's surprise. Um, mostly because when people do hop into Eureka, a lot of the times they look at how many logograms they might need in order to, you know, max out all their logograms or if they need a certain action for, like, Baldessian, and they they don't want to farm it. A lot of people just don't want to farm it. So you can still make, like, 6 to 10k on some of the actions last I checked. And I assume that at some point this will kind of hit that same point where people maybe want to fill out the the entire thing and they just want to buy the last few and they might come from, like, Castrum and they don't want to pug it or whatever the reason is. So the, I, I see something that over time I'll probably come back and like sell a few things here or there to make some money when less people are doing it. Maybe the mounts will like equalize, you know, like maybe a few hundred K or something. We'll, we'll see how it, how it goes over time. Um, but I don't feel as drawn to immediately making money here as I did in Eureka. Eureka, I was all about it. Instantly was trying to make as much money as possible here. That doesn't happen quite the same for me. It could be there because I, I don't more. care about money. <laughs> I want it. Could be. I feel like there aren't as many things to make money from. Like within Eureka, there was always. I feel like more. Maybe that was just BA specific. But BA I don't was know, man, a big these money. Indigo maker. stars. I, I feel like they're going to be money one day. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't want to see another one in my life. <laughs> Get rid of them all. Dude, one day no, there's not going to be as many indigo stars, and we're gonna, and I'm gonna have this stockpile, and I'm gonna make bank. I already know what's gonna happen. Yeah, Warrior of Light has like uh, PTSD flashbacks of you know Meteor and Dalamud and things like that. No, yeah. it's me with indigo stars falling from the sky. I just <sighs> no more, please. Well, chat brings up that one thing that Eureka had that we don't have here are the warped boxes, the mutations and adaptation system mm. that was not present here, which I do, th- I kind of miss. I, I like, I like that. Uh, that's, that was for me, even as soon as Pagos came out, for me, that, that was enjoyable having these like specific conditions that cause 
mobs that transform and stuff like that. Yeah, it feels like there's very little actual interaction with time and weather and things like that within Bosia, which is probably intentional given how restrictive it could have been in Eureka. Oh, I want this specific thing. I can't do it because I can't play at the specific time of day. So it's funny you mentioned that. One of the last times I logged into, I was doing a bunch of BAs like maybe two months ago. Like I was doing a huge Eureka kick uh, before 5.3 hit. And one day I woke up and it said it would be eight hours until snow for Skull. Like eight real life hours. And I'm like, I guess I'm just not doing that today because I'm not playing eight hours from now. So yeah, I, I, I kind of understand that. That was definitely, especially when it was like for something that you needed to like finish the zone. Like if you needed Pazuzu and Gales weren't for another like seven hours or something like that way back when Animos first came out. But there's also not even like a bunny equivalent, like looking at something a little bit less restrictive, but really, really spammy. Um, which people, I, I know, I, you can still make a ton of gill on Eureka off bunnies and mutations. The shiver emotes usually a couple million gill from Pagos, and the mounts are still relatively expensive, and some of the items that come from the lockboxes. So they reduced a lot of those aspects. And is that, is it okay with that? Did you care about interacting with these systems that much? Did they feel like they opened Eureka up in a way that maybe Baja doesn't have in a better way? I think going forward, you'll feel that missing. But at the time, the the pacing of the actual progression throughout Bojia made up for that. But when you run out of things that you need to do for metal, yes, you feel the lack. Okay. Sly, do you miss bunnies? Do you miss the bun buns? Do you miss them guiding really. you to your fucking death all the time? <laughs> not, not really. And, again, I, I, I kind of love the fact that everything... You know, everything isn't, I mean, there's no elemental level, so everything was doable, no matter, no, no matter uh, where you went, except for, you know, the five enemies, which actively want to fucking kill you. Yeah, no, you're just going to a skirmish. Um, I felt like the closest thing to bunnies would just be, you know, cleaning up, I don't know, grave keepers just for actions or something. Well, that, I even, well, there's no, like, bunny equivalent. There's no, like, here's this objective that pops every, like, 15, 20 minutes, and then you'll guide an NPC mm -hmm. off to their death somewhere, or they'll guide you off to yours. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought you meant something else. Um, no. No, I don't miss it. Fuck that. No. <laughs> wow, that was a much more concise uh, response to the bun-buns. I miss the bun-buns, man. Yeah. Bro, you get a gold chest that just puts 100k in your pocket you, before you even consider the shit loot you ended up getting because you're never lucky. <laughs> and then pretty soon it's it's just res at flag please please and the bunny just fucks off yeah don't miss that no <laughs> okay we'll see about that i'll ask that question again in 5.4 if we don't get another zone because i don't think we will we'll talk about that in a minute no. or two no. uh so god there's still so many aspects to talk about so we've talked a lot about skirmishes and we've mm -hmm. kind of glossed yeah. over critical engagements because... Yeah, we haven't really gone into detail about criticals. Yeah, so critical engagements were a big uh, discussion point. Um, and it's kind of, it's panned out in a way that's sort of okay, in a way that's less okay. There's, there's ups and downs, but essentially you do things around the map. People aren't even 100% mm -hmm. sure which things do which at this point. 
but uh, you may be complete uh, a skirt. No, there's there's some there's some critical engagements people aren't a hundred percent confident some. about. Yeah. Sphia knows yeah. which ones we're not a hundred percent confident about because we were testing that shit the entire second yeah. day. Um, we had most of them nailed down now. I think. I think so. I think we. I think we did a lot of overthinking on on that day, and we found out it's yeah. pretty simple because I was able to get the red chocobo on the spawn pretty consistently at this point. Yeah, it had mm-hmm. nothing to do with killing it. red chocobos. Yep. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was really? straight up just killing Magitek mobs everywhere seemed to be the thing that that triggered a lot of the criticals to spawn. So if you go up to like tier two, almost every time a map starts now. If if I just go and immediately start killing Magitek mobs, it literally goes in like a fucking zigzag, like up the entire zone. I, it's it's uncanny how consistently that it happens like that, which it didn't happen like that before. But the critical engagements themselves, they they spawn from completing either conditions or completing skirmishes that are directly rated uh, related to a chain that leads to these things. And the critical engagements were surprising to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of having mechanics, because Eureka had like mechanics, like donut AOEs and like in-out AOEs, I guess. Like that's that's kind of the extent of the mechanics of most of the Eureka monsters. But th- they made little mini boss fights, like real mini boss fights, with you know the arenas being locked away all over the map. Mm-hmm. So I, first first critical engagement, I think for all of us was probably the Mandragora. I'm willing. I'm willing to kill it with fire. Kill it with fire. Yeah. yeah. I, that set. A, I don't know about you guys, but I felt like that set a pretty, a pretty direct tone for what to expect from the rest of them. Yes, and uh, it also showed that no matter how many times you do that critical engagement, people will still try and eat the heart. <laughs> still to this day. Also, have you ever done it where? Have you ever done it when people don't eat the heart? I've had one where only two hearts got touched. I have. Yeah. It's way harder. They're everywhere. They go all yeah. the way through. Yeah, you actually, want, you actually want the players <laughs> who don't know any better to get hit, because then you're like, all right, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it becomes bullet hell. All of a sudden, I got, like, four hearts coming towards me, and I, I, can't, I can't get out of it. Yeah. So that set the tone, but there's a lot of critical engagements out there. And I, I was going to, before we came to the show, like before before the patches even came live Tuesday, I was thinking about like how we were going to do the discussion mm-hmm. for these because they were obviously going to be a topic, but we didn't know how they worked yet. I was originally going to ask which one was your favorite, and I feel like that's pointless now um, because for most people, the answer is pretty direct. Now, I don't know if it'll be your answer, but I'm sure if I said three, two, one, the color red might come down to the thing we all say at the same time. Because that seems to be a that seems to be a big a big talking point is the red chocobo one for critical engagements. I don't think it would be my favorite. It it's up there. It's cool. I, I like Char. Yeah, I like Char. It's cool. Okay, I really like the Behemoth one. The which one? Behemoth. The Behemoth. Yeah, the zombie Behemoth. Zombie Behemoth's fun. Um. Yeah. Favorite or most painful. Yeah. <laughs> well, all of the the dual spawning critical engagements are designed in a very specific way. Yeah, which is uh, a lot of shit on the ground that you can just eat. That's yeah, that's it. Um, they all do it in a kind of 
their own unique way. Uh, I think, yeah, the Red Chocobo one has got to be the the hardest one execution-wise. But I don't think it really it added anything new, whereas I think of the three skirmish, or sorry, of the three jewel-spawning critical engagements, the last one, the pyramids are spawning, the, the fox, that one mm-hmm. was really quite innovative. Yes, I agree. And I liked that. I agree. I was going to say, I was going to say Dainsleaf was probably, it, it was between Char and Dainsleaf, and Dainsleaf was really fun. It's really fun when you first go into Dainsleaf and you don't, you have no fucking idea what's going on, but you, you get it really quick. But at the same time, it's really easy to misjudge a fucking laser. <laughs> I only, I've only been hit on Dane Slave once. I'm, I, and that was the first time I did it. I've never been hit since. And the only reason I got hit the first time is because I thought I needed to avoid the dashing AoE in order to not get disqualified. And I dashed out of that and into a laser. And then I found out that if you mm-hmm. get hit by that, it doesn't disqualify you. Even if it doesn't matter if you're not the target or not. So I realized that, I wasted that's that. That's got me. Run. That's got me too. You know like, what? You know what I figured uh, out though. It targets the person who's farthest away, so I just go farthest away. So it always comes to me. <laughs> I don't have to worry <laughs> about it anymore. Uh, I'm trying to think. Were there any other good? Um, oh, I like I like almost every critical engagement. I I I prefer this critical engagement system over the notorious monster system of, of Eureka because oh, each yeah. of them feels much more identifiable as like a mini boss in a sense, as opposed to this. Mm-hmm. Creature that just does an AoE here and a donut AoE there, and they they hopper there. They're animated. They're unique. Some of them have some characteristics and some stories that take place. Um, there's pairs of them that spawn at the same time that can make it so everyone mm-hmm. in the zone can participate. And it's it's the, I, I hate using the word because they use it, but it's engaging. And I'm yeah. always motivated to participate in critical engagements, even at Metal Fifteen, because I got to get two more Indigo Stars. One of the problems that I have with critical engagements is that okay. they specifically made them for 48 people and they still have culling issues with 48 people. Yeah. You, you still, they still don't know how to handle that many people in one arena and they intentionally made it for that many people. So it, it kind of was a bit of a head scratcher. I think maybe mm. if they dropped it down to 36. Six? Yeah, that's the number I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, it would have been, Potentially, uh, better. No. No, 32. 32. 32, yeah. Or even 40. Uh, but yeah, they, they still don't know how to handle that many people in, in one instance getting hit by the same thing. So it creates a little bit of a, it takes you out of it for a bit. Yeah, for anyone who's unsure what he means by culling, when too many people are participating in uh, a, a fade or you know, notorious monster Eureka, this happens anywhere where there's a, a too many people on the screen. Essentially, um, attacks can only hit a certain number of individuals. I think the number is thirty. I don't know if that's up to date, but it's 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 at least somewhere around there. And after it hits that many people, it can hit nobody else. So for some AOEs. If you just stand far away from the boss, you just won't get hit by it. It won't have any effect on you. It can't hit you because it'll hit everyone else that's in front of you. It works on the Void Tornado, the Void AoE on the, the dog, for example, that brings you to 1 HP. Mm-hmm. Although it doesn't make sense because I still have to heal everyone, so I guess I don't really care about that one, but it's a good example. And sometimes, the, the one thing at least that doesn't happen 
in anywhere but the very beginning of Castrum, in my experience, is the bosses don't disappear at the very least. Mm-hmm. That, there's not enough people for that to happen. But in the first boss of Castrum, sometimes I'm trying to look down to see how the other group is doing if I'm up top, and it gets cold because of all the NPCs and everything. So It still does happen a little <laughs> bit, but seldom. And not with things that are important, I suppose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So Just to explain culling to people, because that's, that's a term that is not super commonly known amongst a lot of people. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> So now yeah, that I'm explaining what calling is, it is kind of weird. <laughs> I would have thought that they would have either found a way to work around that or just simply scale them down to a size that can be managed. Like 24. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, 24-mans are 24-mans for a reason. I'm pretty sure it's largely to do with server issues. Um, yeah. But they still function the same, culling or not. It's just it makes a, a really weird experience for people who... Don't get hit by things randomly that they should have. And don't understand how culling works. Yeah. I had somebody tell me, I had somebody tell me, don't stand in the center for void tornado or it'll hit you. If you got to stand along the edge. And I'm like, I I had people tell me, stand, uh, LOS the void tornado with the boss's body. Because obviously that would have been like up near the wall and. Yeah. Bro, you know how many Nidhogg flashbacks I got from people making excuses for one thing, not understanding how it operated? Like, Nidhogg, everyone's like, oh, you gotta stand in all eight circles or you're white, but it was actually them failing the DPS check. That's the first boss of Castrum, and pretty much every case of culling in a nutshell, when people try to explain things to me. It's, uh, it happens a lot. Uh, but with the critical engagements, yes, yeah, so they had the, the Mandragora, which was pretty simple. You had the dog, which honestly, I wish the dog had a 1v1 tied to it, because I'd qualify for it every time, and so many people wouldn't. Um, the dog is the one with the, the spitting fire AoEs, and then it does, it jumps two times, and then it does the dragon's breath or the lion's breath, and very animated one. Uh, you have the Beastmaster and the bird, the Akbaba, the giant one. You mm-hmm. have... The Guard Scorpion, which leads to the 1v1, which is also a critical engagement. We'll talk about 1v1s in a second. If you want to stop and talk about any of these in particular, like Red Chocobo. <laughs> you got the Unicorn. The Unicorn one cracks oh. me up. The Unicorn one is actually super bugged, by the way. Is it? In what way? I've seen... What, my favorite thing that's ever happened. Somebody's hand, it got... They froze it and unfroze it at like the exact same time as the AoE hits that kills the hands. And it didn't mm-hmm. go away. It just never did the part where it speeds up. So they just ran in a circle the whole time with the hand chasing them, and it never caught up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Excellent. And I, I've also seen the hands instantly apply two stacks and kill people who are not tethered to them. I've seen that happen a couple times. People just instantly yep. drop, even though they don't have a, t- a hand tethered. Um, so I've seen I've seen a few weird things happen with that one. But it was uh, it's a good time. The Red Chocobo is... Everyone thinks Red Chocobo is impossible. I love Red Chocobo because so many people are like, it was nice knowing you all. Or, well, uh, we're fucked. Uh, or, well, uh, how many of you are, how many of you have never done this before? Well, you're all dead. That's pretty much all it is over and over again. People were saying for the first couple of days that it's like extreme or savage difficulty... And I it's think not. they're overestimating the bird a little bit. They're giving him a lot more respect than he fucking deserves. I don't respect that chicken. chocobo at all. No. I love him. I love him. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's oh, very. Wait, wait, wait. Hmm? wait. Oh no. I'll... Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, it's very. There's uh, something cathartic about going into a fight and seeing everybody die to something that is very easily avoidable by slotting a specific action, uh, but they just aren't. Yeah, for anyone who's wondering, you can reflect pretty much everything in that fight. If you want to qualify for the one yeah. one, you still have to dodge the dodgeable AoEs, even if you have reflect. But for the one where the meteors are crashing in the pairs and with the split damage AoEs, you can literally reflect all those. There's a couple of them that yeah. reflect actually completely destroy. So Fires of War is another one that's right near Red Chocobo. Um, you can reflect every... There's not a mechanic you can't reflect except for the proximity AoE. Every single other one can be reflected. The bombs that you need to split can be reflected. <laughs> the basic attacks can be reflected. The uh, towers failing can be reflected. Yeah. I tested all of these <laughs> today. We failed the tower on purpose, and I reflected the damage from it. It doesn't hit anything. It doesn't hit the boss, but you don't die from it either. Yeah, because the towers are always separate <laughs> entities. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. But yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. You can reflect the conal AoEs from the thing in the center, so you don't have to actually dodge them. Yeah. I'm not the conal, the donuts from the center. Hmm. You can literally, there's nothing you can't reflect in that fight other than hot temper, and it's amazing. <laughs> so, that one's a fun one. Patriot Games, a turn eight favorite, a turn, a twist on turn eight, sort of, where, uh, he tethers to the, the cannons and fires them mm -hmm. at the half room. I'm pretty sure that is probably the least understood critical engagement in the, in the map. But the least talked about yeah. also. Yeah. Actually, second, yeah. there's one more that I know is talked about least. Trampled Under Hoof yeah. is definitely talked about less. I've never done it. I have. I've, I've never done it. I went out of my way to it. spawn it and do it because I needed to do it. I needed to know. So we'll talk about that one in yeah. a second. But Patriot Games is hilarious. Tank mines, no tanks to go for. <laughs> oh, no. You want to know what's the best thing? All these critical engagements, an NPC tells you what to do on the screen. The NPC talks and says what to do. But nobody cares. That is true. Yeah. For oh. the tank mines, the boss asks his friendly units, please clear the area for the tank mines. As like, as in, please don't go near them. <laughs> so, you know, so you go, well, I guess I have to go near those. You do the opposite of everything mm, they say. Done mm -hmm. hey, you also know exactly what you should be doing anyway. Yeah, but you know people don't. Mm -hmm. You know how many of those I've lost to people not doing tank fights? <laughs> Too many. Sometimes I just throw my life at one because I just, I can't be bothered to wipe on that because it's bad. Um, but Trampled Under Hoof is the second boss of Haltali Hard Mode with some ads and some extra things. Basically, he summons a bunch of eyes along the outside and he tethers to the eye and then the eye does a gaze AoE. And that blinds you. And then sometimes you need to blind yourself deliberately to prevent, prevent yourself from being petrified by the boss. Because he has an unavoidable gaze attack that only avoids if you're blind. Worked the same in Holotali Hard Mode. You had to, like, interact with, like, a, an item, and it made you blind, and then it wouldn't get hit by it. And then there's ads that you have to kill mm. quick, or you die, pretty much. Split damage AoE, dodgeable AoEs, things like that. It's really simple. It's not as, it's not as cool as the Behemoth one that it shares the, the spawn with. Mm. That's why nobody goes to it, because it's a fucking undead behemoth or this stupid-looking thing. Nobody wants to do that. It's the same with Fires of War. Almost nobody seems to go for those 24-mans. Yeah, nobody wants to do Fires of War, and I just did Fires of War for the first time today, and I thought it was fun. I thought it was pretty fun. It's just, uh, like, I'm going to say endlessly spawning, but uh, um, a bunch of spawning pyromancers and 
it's really more of a it's more of a mechanics check than a DPS check at the end. Bro, it is That's a. It. Did you bring reflect as the healer? And I hope you did because the tanks aren't picking these things up fast enough. Check as far. That's the thing that led me to check reflect on everything because I just kept getting bombarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fires of War I think is way harder than Patriot games. Fires of War is probably you one of the so? harder ones in there if you're not reflecting everything. Oh yeah, the, I, see pe- I see people f- die to the bomb split damage all the time. I see people get hit by the, the donut AOE. I see people not kill the correct. AOE, it's their correct bomb to do the proximity AOE. I swear I'm not guilty mm-hmm. of that. I promise. I didn't I didn't kill the middle bomb on day one and not the bomb that was far away. I didn't do that. Wasn't me. Didn't happen. Sure thing is. <laughs> everyone agreed. Somebody could have stopped me at any point. And everyone just said, Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. I, I, I made I made the bad call, but they all agreed with it. So, you know, they could have stopped me at any point. <laughs> a bad call that everyone does together is not a bad call at all. Well, Unless no, it gets you. Yeah, it's a bad call. Like that again yeah, you're all dead. It's a bad call. What am I talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also, so Metal Metal Fox Chaos, which we're, we're going to be getting to the 1v1s in a second. Um, you talk about how you really liked it and you thought it was really interesting. I was a little disappointed in that one. Because the skirmish that came before it was more difficult than than the the critical engagement that followed. That was the one with the oh oh yeah completely fuck that skirmish. That skirmish can kick rocks with no socks. So I, I found the problem why that skirmish is so difficult. People tank them together, just pull the giant away from the pyromancer. I've been saying that today, and nobody still does. <laughs> They they still tank it right on top of each other. And I'm like, can one of y'all pull him, please? please. Anybody? You can no? also just okay. stand at max range and not get hit by anything. That's also very Yeah, easy. you won't I mean, be hitting the boss, but you'll... <laughs> no. You can, you can stand max range, or max casting range of the Iron Giant, and you're out of its big sword attack, mm-hmm. and you can still hit it. Because oh, I don't think I was range in range is, when I did that earlier. Yes, I, I definitely I do it every single time. It doesn't matter what job I'm playing. Uh, you stand at the exact max casting range, same way that you outrange a dynamo, right? Like you you go yeah, back yeah. until you and then you walk in a bit. Yeah, and then you uh you don't get hit by the the spinning sword because mm. that's the one that gets you. Everything else is easy. You just straight left or right. Um, so that hopefully helps the success rate. Of steel and flame. I'll throw that in the guide later. Yeah, we had we had people um, not stack them today. Finally, and I noticed it was a good bit easier. Um, but I fully expect that, bro. People people still pull the dragon north and labyrinth of the ancients. You can't stop people from being people. Man. <laughs> That's why I can't wasn't play. It, I can't play on primal. Wasn't that actually a strat back in the day? It was though? because they it yes. gave you the most time possible to kill all the skeletons. Nobody gives a yeah, shit yeah, anymore. Yeah. No. Except Primal. For some fucking reason, Primal still cares and Primal still does that. And that's why I won't play on Primal anymore. <laughs> Slavith of the Ancients. <laughs> Straight up the only reason that I won't. Bro, I watched somebody, I watched Mary tank the dragon in the center on Primal. And the entire run, the other alliance's tank was literally like just calling him absolute dog shit 
in shout in in the lions chat the entire time. And he was just like, "Oh, guys, on these atomos better slow down so Alliance B can catch up." Meanwhile, Alliance B killed it the fastest, and every boss he had something to say. It was ridiculous. I don't. I hate. I hate Primal for that one. Everyone I know tells me I'm right about this too, and it doesn't help. I hate it. I hate it. Stop. Yeah. Stop. (laughs) If you're gonna pull it, pull it towards the door so melees can hit it faster. If you want to pull it out of the center, pull it towards the party when they come in. (sighs) Fucking primal. Anyway. I I I get it, I get into I get heated about primal every time when it comes to labyrinth and the ancients and just I hate it. Anyway, <sighs> what were we talking about? Pulling the boss away of steel and flame. Right, that's the one. Yeah. Do that. Do that. Yeah. Or just max range the Do it. yeah max range the other thing. Then math boss. You know what's funny? This math boss is kind of disappointing. Other than math, he really takes it easy on you. I don't like it. Have you tried to play Black Mage on it? <laughs> you got triple cast, you're fine. <laughs> okay, that lasts for about a third of him spinning in a circle for about 35 swift, seconds at a time. You got swift cast and a, fi- and a, and a fire starter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have all of my tools and it's still not enough. I mean, yeah, if your healer goes, if your healer goes down during the, the final part of that, you are kind of fucked. I mean, you can self heal all you want to. Uh, shit. Take potions. Yeah, if you don't have a healer and you have to eat those incinerates over and over again, then you better have some. But if you, but come on, it's. Just, I understand the first time you do it, nobody's expecting him to do the AOE from the back. That always throws people off. So they're just like, yeah, I'll just stand behind mm-hmm. him, whatever. But after that, it's like, come on, like, come on. He doesn't do like the slam. He doesn't even do pulverize. He just throws half of his kit. The fucking fate that leads into it does more things than the math boss does, but the math boss is like, everyone was afraid of math, so I guess I'll do that with Force March. People still fail it. I know. They go into the wall with 6 HP and die instantly. I will say a death wall when you have 6 HP is pretty fucking rude. Yeah. A little bit (laughs) overkill. No, it's more just like even if you don't wall yourself, but you fail the mechanic, you get the Vuln stacks, essentially, and you die to the incinerate that comes up afterwards without yeah. a lot of mitigation. Yeah. Yeah. All, all I know is when I bring Ishtola to mechanics that never stop spinning, when she's done with that mechanic, she just bursts the, burst the mob. I'm just saying that. So, yeah. She triple casts, swift casts, fire fours like five times in a row. So, yeah. yeah. She's good with that. Uh, I might need to be right back for a couple of minutes. Sorry, just something to do. That is a okay. Oh, any business? Well, now you're Sphia, though. Don't forget. It's like... <laughs> no, it's fine. You just Hi. just mute your mic and just mute your mic and you're good, Sphia. It swapped your places, but it doesn't matter. It'll it'll fix when uh, when he comes back. All right, new Sphia. Hi. If it, if it was at this, I'd ask oh, you to do an, I'd ask you to do an accent to try and. No. 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 Please <laughs> so, don't. Fill into your new slot. Um, well, the next thing we were going to talk about was the 1v1s, but I'll wait till Sphia's back for that. Um, so instead, let's move to the topic I was going to cover after that, because one of the big things about Bajja, one of the main mm-hmm. uh, talking points, one of the main things we were looking at for its release was actually the resistance weapon itself. Um, obviously, Eureka, it, the main 
the main reason for Eureka initially, before it, it kind of found its own feet, was that it was where you did the Stormblood Relics. You know, that was that was its equivalent. Mm-hmm. And Bajja was in a unique position, because they had gotten the feedback from the old Zodiac and Anima days that they were kind of boring and grindy, people didn't like it. They did Eureka, it was boring and grindy, people didn't like it. With Bajja, our initial quest doesn't have a zone, it's just entirely mm-hmm. lore- an extreme trial, even a bonus, not part of the actual quest, but a little bonus to what we were already doing. Here they did a more, you know, it's, it's not your, it's not Eureka itself, but you know, it's it's Eureka like at the very least. It, it's built on the feedback that made Eureka, but they also gave us the unique option of having a different choice of not doing Bajja for the weapon. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think this is cannibalizing content? Elaborate. Oh, why do fucking Bajja when I can just go out and do Heaven Toward Fate and boom, I have a, I have a, um, a relic. One. Okay. And people that actually say this. One. Do you get better, better memories from Asha? Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah, I've never gotten. You I've have to have the quest active. But wait, until you have the quest active, you don't get it. Okay. Yeah. One, it's an option. It's an option. Um. Two. I'm pretty sure if you want to do Delubrum, you have to do Bajja anyway. So no, I don't believe it's cannibalizing content. So stop fucking saying it. So I've had, I've had the week to think about this and really formulate my thoughts. My initial impressions were that it was a bit strange, that... You could do these heavens word fates. I mean, to be fair, I still think it's strange. I don't know why it's not Shadowbringers fates, or even at the very least Stormblood fates for this. I don't know why okay. they picked heavens word when the anima weapon already has heavens word fates. That was, that was beyond mm. weird to me. I, they could have done gemstones okay. from Shadowbringers. They could have just done the fates themselves. They, they, they had options. I just don't know why it landed on heavens word. That will never cease to be weird to me. That being mm. said, I appreciated that it has a filter. There's a filter for people who don't care about anything that Bajra represents. They're not excited for Queen's Sanctum, a.k.a. Deliberum Regine, which I still hate calling it. Mm. They had a legitimate option to go and acquire a weapon. Their sole intent of doing the content was to acquire a weapon. They go out, mm-hmm. they do these Heaven's Word Fates, they're not doing it for any other reason. Maybe they'll, they'll, maybe they'll overlap and do some yokais while they're out there for the however many fates they do. They'll finish it sure. in three, four hours, and, you know, either they'll want to work on another one or they won't. Whatever. That's up to them. They've made this decision. Mm-hmm. And it works. It works for ensuring that the people who just want to do the relic have an option that's just to do the relic. Inside Bajja is where I really have to think about how they've made the changes. Because when I think about Eureka versus Bajja, in terms of relic acquisition, Eureka was the only option. And while, yes, there was glamour, there were mounts eventually, you know, I could sell these these logogram actions... Until Baldessian came out, your main reason of doing Eureka was to earn a relic. And the activities you did in there reflected that. 
you needed to gather however many currencies from specifically the bosses that you were fighting. You needed an end boss material. And then maybe you also had to collect a certain number of actions or you had to do this. But all of these things locked the relic content away. You'd have to light grind for stats. You'd have to light grind in order to move on to the next step. That was the constant of everything that Eureka was mm-hmm. built on. Bajja's not that. I went into Bajja mm-hmm. curious about Bajja and have completed three relics in that curiosity. It is very much a secondary uh, acquisition method of oh, Bajja. Because... I don't have, I'm not thinking, I'm not going in there like, I need to go do this so I can finish my relic. I'm going into Bajja and getting my relic while doing Bajja. Mm-hmm. So the difference between the two is one of these I'm dedicating my entire hours, even if it's not that many, into only working on my relic, only getting at it its glow. The other one I'm working on trying to spawn these 1v1s or doing Castrum or you know, trying to farm this action or that action or open lockboxes for Gabriel or farm clusters for a hairstyle. And my relics are falling into my lap. And I don't really have to think about it. And that's fine for me. I don't need Bajja to be the better method because I'm not doing Bajja for that. I have 500 weapons. I have Shiva weapons, you know? Mm-hmm. I have glams, like ultimate glams. I wouldn't even use these as glams for the most part because I have Uwu weapons and T weapons and shit. So it just falls into place for me. And I'm okay with that. I'm not saying other people have to be okay with that, but that's kind of what my consensus has been over the past few days and where Baj actually falls. And not I don't need it to be the preferred method of building the relic because it's not the sole reason I am in there. I understand that other people don't feel that way, and that is A-okay. Yeah. As for the drop rates, what's most interesting to me about the relic in Bajja is it is counter... By the way, I can't click that, so can you let me know what's going on? Um, we have messages, but if I close it, it's going to... Actually, I can look at it on my phone. Never mind. I just want to make sure if Sophia has an emergency and he can't come back that uh, I don't not read it. So let me, let me do that real quick. Oh. Ah, uh, wait. doesn't make any sense. Sophia's contributing via the text. <laughs> he says, it's because free trial is heaven's word. Well, free yeah. trial players aren't doing this, so that would... Sly, we talked about this in a bit of pre-show. Yeah, we talked about it. And I said that um, I thought it was nice that, you know, Yoshi P included Heaven's Award in, in, in the Relic, you know, to kind of get us to go out and help these newer players and whatnot. The only issue is, you know, after we do our... Blue Mage Fates, which, you know, we're, we're gonna do, because, you know, we can fucking one-shot everything. Uh, after we do our Fates, then it goes down to level 60 dungeons for your, your bidders. And we're only doing Anti-Tower. Because it's the quick one. So after that, yeah, like, it, it, mm. it's one of those things. It, it, and I mentioned this in the pre, in pre-show. I get the mm-hmm. thought when people say that it's for that reason. I don't agree with that. I guess it's not that I don't agree with that being the reason, because it probably is. I don't agree with that mentality. Mm-hmm. Because this isn't... The most people who have gotten to Heavensward at this point aren't stopping and doing every fate. They don't care. They're trying to get through the story. 
That's what they're, that's all they've been conditioned to do. Every person who gives advice to new people, you might say, take your time. But almost everyone doesn't encourage stopping and doing every fate. They maybe mention doing it for the first, like, few levels. And then people are like, yeah, no, no, mm. just go do the next quest or maybe do a dungeon or do palace or do a roulette if you really need EXP. Welcome back, Sophia. Hi, sorry about that. I had to uh, let my landlord in. But okay. I had my headphones so I could hear you. So I was Yeah, I noticed because you were typing and I couldn't <laughs> click it here, so I had to pull my phone out. So it worked out. Yeah. yeah. I think it's them trying to repopulate Heavensward Zone, so that new players coming through are like, look at all these people. What are they? How are they destroying all these monsters? It's because they're playing Blue Mage. How do I unlock that? It just it makes them feel like the world is more alive. Because currently, if you were to go through Heavensward, it's like kind of dead. There's no people around. It doesn't feel like an MMO. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna feel that way a lot in A Realm Reborn too. Other than the other new people, though. Like they haven't. That doesn't. <laughs> here's the thing. It's solving something that doesn't solve. It's using a solution that doesn't solve anything. In my opinion, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it's an elegant solution. I don't, I don't think, think it, I don't yeah. think it's a solution at all because it's outside of a day or two of people just blasting their way through. It's only three or four hours. You made it a hundred percent drop rate. Those people are done. They're moving on. You didn't keep the world populated, which is why, if that is their main reason, it's not in any way a solution. For in my opinion. If they really wanted that, they'd want something more like the old Atma grinds, which, you know, could last you 15, 20 hours. And if you do more than one, then you're at the, dude, 15, 20 hours, you've just done six relics. Think about it. And you're one third through all of them. Mm-hmm. So. Did you touch on that? I wasn't able to listen too well. Did we, you talk so about that? Yeah, the... we, 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 we were getting, we, that's what, that's what the topic we're on right now is. Okay. So. Acquisition rate of. Yeah, materials. before you typed, before I noticed that you mm-hmm. typed this, that's exactly the point we were on, was acquisition rate in Baja. Uh, just to catch you up, I said that Heaven's Word is your sole method of getting it. It filters out the people who have no interest in Baja, so the people in Baja are the people who want to be there, or at least have some interest in it. In Baja, it's a tangential objective. I've gotten three of them finished with the glow, just by doing things, like searching for 1v1s, you know, doing cash from whatever. And I don't yeah. have to think about it. I didn't go out of my way. I wasn't there to make a relic. I made three relics while being there. So it felt like it was a fair yeah. compromise. I don't know where you, where you stand on that versus, you know, the three, four-hour method versus this. So I, I can understand why they make it faster outside. But what I don't understand is people saying, I don't want to go to Bozier and do fates. I want to go outside and do fates. Why not do the new content instead? Are you a little, huh? Asshole. <laughs> yeah, that feels... Yeah, that's... I just... Uh... I, I appreciate that there's a filter. Um, but I think the bigger thing is the is the overall relic itself. is essentially gets these 60 crystals, it's I-500 with five slots, and then here's six more for a glow. That's yeah. that's the entire step. It's 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 by far this this resistance weapon the simplest and fastest of all of the relics. It is no longer the massive grind that it has been in times recent. And I guess that is mm-hmm. the next major topic because, like I said, when people did the zodiac weapon and the animal weapon, said it was a boring grind. We hate it. Well, of course, there are some people who like mm-hmm. having a boring grind. They just enjoy logging in and having something to do, in quotes, and can't argue with that logic. Um, yeah. Eureka was much the same, just a different kind of grind. 
you know, you went through this leveling process and these action acquisitions and zone one, two, three, four, and light grind here, light grind there, whatever. And people said it was a boring grind and they hated it. Some people liked it, whatever. People liked Baldessian. That stood on its own two feet that had nothing to do with the relic. So that was proof of concept mm-hmm. that ideas like that could work. I'd say it was a successful experiment. Here they've kind of just accepted that what the original mission statement of relics were. The original point of relics was a casual option for players who wanted to obtain their item level later without having to do difficult content. It's basically what it always was. But the grind... It was a time sink. Yeah, it was, it was supposed to be a time sink. The idea back then was that it would be a time sink to make up for the fact that it took, you know, a, a fight, a savage fight is 10 minutes, so the 12 minutes, whatever, and then this will take you 20 hours. They didn't really factor in the fact that you spend 20 plus 30, 40, 50, 60 hours progging on a fight before you beat it to get the weapon versus that. So the whole time sink thing never really met up, and casual players you, were discouraged. You, you think... Okay, I was about to ask, do you think it equate, equated out? Uh, just so you know, I think Mel's uploading something, so I'm going to start recording this locally, and I might go in and out. Um, if not, I'll call you guys okay. back in a few minutes. I'm doing a local recording okay. now, though, so I can edit these together. We'll continue going, though. Sure. Um, I don't know if she said that she's uploading something, but I'm almost certain she is, because otherwise it would not be <laughs> lagging to the degree that it is. So hopefully it'll catch nope. up. And we'll uh, hey. People are saying it's live, and we're back. Yeah. No, it's still very much fucked. I can tell you it's oh. very much fucked. <laughs> I can see the okay. red dot. But as long as you guys can still hear me and we can still continue the conversation, yeah. I can always edit this together because yeah. I have the local recording yeah. now. Yeah. Um, okay, so with that, uh, how, do, how do we feel about that? How do we feel about the length of the grind? Regardless if you're doing it inside or out, it's not a lengthy grind. That's, that's the bottom line. No. So we're talking about just the relic grind specifically. Just the relic yeah. grind specifically, regardless of method. I'm not going to be mad that it's short. I mean, who the fuck would... Like, okay, some people might. Some people expect the grind, some people like the grind, some people want the grind. I'm not mad that this was one of the short, shortest, if not the shortest relic grinds that we've ever had. It it was done, can be done in a matter of hell, about an hour and a half. If you're like even less, if you're really good, um, yeah, I'm not mad at it. I'm like, yeah, don't. This is just my opinion. <laughs> like, I, I don't. As someone who's grinded relics in the past and seen the time sink and seen, like how much, you know, people put into it and how, and remembers Atma, um, I'm not going to turn down an hour and a half relic, as opposed to a how long did it take y'all to get Atmos? So let's not talk about it. Variable okay, time, yeah. um, depending on how lucky yeah. you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to turn down an hour and a half relic. I'm, I'm kind of of two minds about it. Okay. One of them being, uh, the game has a habit of giving you things very easily. Easily? Okay. Yes. Um, and I think that's okay for some things, but worrying when it comes to something that is intended to be a time sink. Um, Mm -hmm. the other thing is that it's like, The harder you work for something, the better you feel about it when you get it. 
And I feel like you don't have that same satisfaction out of getting something like a relic that you only spend an hour on. You know, like, I remember back in the day you'd get your your relic Zeta and you would glam that shit straight away. Even if you had a better weapon, you would glam it straight away. Uh, you Because mm-hmm. it was a lot of work to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Even if your relic it was ugly as hell, you put that on. But now it's just like, I got this thing as an hour. It doesn't really mean anything. It's does not indicative of commitment to the game, commitment of time to anything. It's just, I did Fates for an hour and a half. It makes, to me personally, the relic feel less significant. See, I'm in the boat where it was never significant because I always had the raid weapon. Like, I never <laughs> felt, I never felt, I did it because it was there and it was new. I know, see, that's right. the thing for me. I never felt like it was significant, to me at the very least. Well, significant not in terms of, you know, difficulty, but significant in terms of what it means to acquire, what you put in to get it. You know what two words express what me, what it meant for me to get most of my relics? Thank God. Uh, <laughs> I've never been overly it. attached to this. I'm still not. I mean, it, it, I will say this. This did nothing to push me in either way. It just finished it quicker. And like I said, I'm only doing it on the side. Like, it's just part of... Me wanting to experience Bajda, not I'm doing Bajda because I really want to finish my relic. Does the possibility of a grandier uh, next step change your? It doesn't matter to me because I'm always going to commit to finishing Bajda content, regardless of what the status of the relic is, and mm-hmm. I'm always going to go out of my way to get the raid gear anyway, so I have the stuff. Like yeah, th- so some of these do end up being bis over some mm-hmm. of the raid stuff just because stats. But now I'm two months away from the next raid here and I'm going to buy crafted stuff anyway so I don't really give a fuck. Like, it's just, it ultimately right. comes down to I don't, the there's no relevance to me of, of how I acquired these things or how important. Earning something like a Necromancer title matters more to me than mm-hmm. if they gave me, a, like, a weapon from it or something. I don't know. And it doesn't matter if it's more or less of a time investment. Okay. Okay. I'm That's weird. Fair. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> all right. I mean, it's the, the uh, fact that it you've got three people with three different opinions is kind of exact, and n- n- none of us are unhappy with it. it. Means I've probably done a good job. You're probably the most yeah. unhappy of all of us because you wish it was more. <laughs> yeah, probably. If there was, if there was someone yeah. teetering closer to it, it'd probably be you. Yeah. So, 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 yes, so yeah. Sorry, carry on. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> um, so, so um, yeah, does the does the um, possibility of having a grindy step for the next step? Like, I don't think it will. I, I think we've seen exactly what the play is for the whole expansion. I don't think that's going to change. It depends the type of grind. If I don't think they're going to mm-hmm. do another fake grind. Uh-huh. Uh it could be another, like, currency grind. Go get Poetics, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. They love those. But Pyros was a really, really, really good relic step, if you remember that one. You are one of the fir- first people I've ever heard say that about Pyros. You actively, I'm 50 on Pyros. I'm you actively had a hand in shaping your relic for the first time in a really long time. And if I had a hand, you mean I sure hope these stats aren't shit? Then yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Sure. I come from the perspective of having gotten my like 910 substat weapon in about seven rolls or something, but we won't talk about that. We'll talk about how I mean, I actively had 650 crit and like 210 dead or something like that on mine. So right, and it felt really, really good to get, didn't it? No. Have you ever been able to say that about a? I was. You know what I said? I I said, "Thank God, I don't have to keep rolling on this fucking weapon anymore." Right, but now you have this sick weapon, and you you want to use it. Because it it feels meaningful to you at that point. Except that I had the, <laughs> except my my rage weapon was still better because it had weapon damage and it was a crit direct hit weapon already. Would have maybe felt better if my my current raid weapon wasn't already so good that raid tier. Yeah. Like if it was like a like a skill speed debt weapon somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but even then, when you push it to max eye level, and it does eventually catch up, it when still I'm feels done with really the raid good. content. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's always a step behind, which is why I never felt super attached. It's always, I'm always playing like catch up to something I already have. And I don't need to like reach that status. Like I have, I have video memory of me doing like earning that weapon. Like, you know, the, oh my God, I waited eight weeks. Bro, it took me like 16 weeks to get my Twintani weapon way back in the day. Like I didn't get it till after 2.1. And that was, I had this huge moment. I don't have that with the relic. I've never had that with the relic. How do you feel about the fact that it isn't at like item level parity with the raid weapon? I wouldn't even care if it was at this point, to be honest. I feel no different about it, regardless. Yeah. Because I'm going to replace it with a crafted should. weapon. <laughs> you think it should well, be? I think it should be. There's There's been times in the Relic history where it has been for short periods of time yeah. within a patch. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately... Gearing in this game is kind of stale, and having an extra step per like gearing cycle, I think is cool. Mm-hmm. I would feel that still... way if I didn't buy crafted gear day one. All this just no, I... for me goes out the window because I buy crafted gear day one, and I and I just you know my thing on crafted gear as well. Yeah, so. I know, I know. Yeah, because <laughs> maybe crafted yeah, gear is maybe crafted gear is the problem. Maybe it's not anything we've talked about so far. Uh Speaking of time, I'm not sure if you wanted to go there yet, but we were talking about how long it took to get a relic. How about how long it took mm-hmm. to level in there? How long it took to rank? What, you mean resistance yes. rank? Yeah. Okay. You lead that. It was really quick. Yeah. Yeah. Comparatively, yeah. really quick. Uh... I mean, and I it only took me twenty hours to do Onimos. I, I don't. I, my very my very first time going in, it only took me twenty hours to do Onimos from one to twenty, and that was pretty constant for everything except Pagos, which we don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. I think I'm one of the few people who actually enjoyed Pagos, but no, it felt incredibly quick. I'm not sure if it was because of the pacing of the content in there that made it feel like it was going faster as well. I would, mm-hmm. um, I would I would wager that that is the reason feeling that way. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But it's also I think that's really good for people approaching the content at, at any pace as well. Because every time you go in there, you mm-hmm. already have things to do. You're not going into an instance and waiting thirty minutes for an NM to be spawned by someone else. These uh, skirmishes are already up, just chain popping. Yeah, I mean, hell, if you were even going in just for Castrum. 
like the people who, um, like the groups I went and they just were waiting for cash room. We were going around killing star mobs and getting actions. Like it, I feel like even though you're, you may be going in for one thing or one with one aim, you're still doing other stuff. Yeah, I mean, up until a point, we mentioned this earlier, that you'll, we'll probably miss things like bunnies and mutations and whatnot um, as things taper off. When you're ready Resistance Rank 15, when you've beaten all three 1v1s, when you've collected your Baj, your stuff from Castrum, you know, when you're, all your jobs are at 80, and you've actually eliminated everything except maybe selling objectives or working on your raise achievement, you know, 500 raises for the Guardian Angel title, or your 50 Castrum clears for Siege Liege, I think it's called, or Liege Siege or something. Title. So if you're an achievement so, hunter, it gets a little uh, bit, a little bit more, yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you, do you want to go into achievements? Do, do we want to go into? So what? So of the south? Oh. I'll be there. I'll be there tomorrow. I can feel it. Uh, you know, RNG willing. I believe it is. You want to hear something funny? So we're, we can transition this into the 1v1 talk. Somebody in my, I typed in shout chat before Red Chocobo. I said, okay, guys, the most important mechanic is you have to get hit by an AOE. That's the most important mechanic. And one guy in Sage, I was like, there, I took my bone stack. You better win. And I was the only person who qualified. There would have been the other person. They weren't like memeing either. They actually deliberately got hit. So I would be the only one who qualified because <laughs> I asked. So. I I personally have a very big problem with the dual system. Uh, I think BA wasn't bad, right? It was time-gated. You had a reasonable expectation of how quickly you'd get in there and be able to do things. Uh, of course, it wasn't, you know, super known at the start, but essentially if you put in the time, you get in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very rarely out of your control. You could network, you could socialize with people, you could create groups to manage these things a lot easier. I'm the sort of person who wants to do every single piece of combat content in the game, but I literally cannot. I have done 40, maybe 50 now, critical engagements specifically for duels and have never gotten in. That's a reasonable thing to be upset about. Yeah. It is... So far, there is, there is nothing I can do. I cannot commit more time. I cannot network. I can, I can ask the whole zone to not go in, but that is being selfish. Uh, it's, it is completely out of my control whether or not I actually get to enjoy this content or not. And that is, I think, a really poor implementation of what is really cool content. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take a step back and get people on the same page here. Cause we, we yeah. jumped right into that. We've right. talked about critical engagements up to this point. For anyone who hasn't done Bajja, there are three critical engagements on the map that by avoiding every dodgeable AoE, so if it, if it can be avoided, you need to avoid it, you will qualify for a duel against a, a 1v1 battle against a boss. And it's pretty much one mechanic, one fail one time, die. And that's it. There, there's no room for error whatsoever. On the bottom part of the map, it's Vigil for the Lost, Put you in a 1v1 duel against Gabriel, which is also the mount available from the lockboxes. The, uh, the second one is the, uh, Red Choctober, which is against the Red Comet. If you avoid everything there, you qualify for Beast of Man, I believe it is, or Man of Beast or something. Beast of War, I don't know. Lion the Beast King. Lion. Yeah, Lion the Beast King. And on the top side of the map, if you complete the Fate Chain, um, 
uh, four absent friends and of steel and flame. It leads to Metal Fox Chaos, which we talked about earlier, which leads to the 1v1 duel and the flames rise higher or something like that against uh, the pyromancer guy, Sivignor. Uh, I don't know. He's got a French name. Savatoire? Sar- yeah, Sartavoir. Savatoir. Yeah, Sartavoir yeah. or something yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah, I think yeah. that's it. The Inferno. Yeah. Just call him the Inferno. The Inferno. Yeah. And uh, yes. so... To qualify for the 1v1, you need to avoid being hit by any optional AoEs. There's only one optional AoE I know that you can still be hit by and qualify, and that is like a tower exploding in Red Comet. That won't disqualify you if somebody screws that up, because it's not your fault most of the time. And uh, the dash from Metal Rush. Fox Chaos, which Metal is unavoidable. Yeah, it's called Rush, because it targets somebody who can't avoid it, and even if you get hit in between, you still qualify. It doesn't give you a bolt stack. But qualifying doesn't mean you get to play. As Fia has painfully made you painfully aware of, every person who doesn't get hit qualifies, but only one of you gets selected. And that's going to be random. There's no way to prioritize it. doesn't matter if you buy the buff with the Bajan clusters. There's nothing you can do to ensure the likelihood that you, a prepared individual, will get in over somebody who's going to die in five seconds. And that... 25... Ah, I've seen uh, if you've seen if you've seen <laughs> like a black mage on Gabriel who just stands on the edge and then instantly gets killed by the wall. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, I haven't seen that. I've seen that. <laughs> I have seen people accept the queue after being selected, zone in instantly, and then return. Yep. Because they don't want to die. They take the queue, lock everyone else out. And then leave. There's a problem there. I think it's either not communicated well enough how this actually functions, what the expectation should be going mm-hmm. into it, or that guy's just a dick. One of one of the two. And either likely, I'll go with the latter. Yeah, <laughs> okay, latter. Yeah. So obviously that leads to a frustrating situation where you could do it for 20, 30, 40 hours and uh, never get to participate in the content. You have no control over it whatsoever. And this has been, even amongst the people I know who have been getting in, has not been the best experience. Essentially the way people have been progging this is they watch someone else do it who did get in and made it a somewhat decent amount. Then they, if and then somebody else gets in, they make it a little further so the person sees the case. And essentially it's this like, bionic connection of all the people sharing, like, footage of it. And it, it honestly, it kind of reminds me of Baldessian. Because that's how Baldessian went. It was, JP made it here. Okay, we learned this. Let's go to the next part. They saw us do it. They went to the next part. And so there's that nice little bit. But the problem is, you don't know when your turn is. Ever. You can't, like, it's, practice it's also, it. Yeah, it's also really similar to Baldessian in the way that a lot of the time it's, you have to know this mechanic in advance or else you're dead. You need to know to bring this specific thing. You need to know to do this in a very specific way ahead of time. And so your progress is, is stunted in the same way that Baldessian was. It's like, oh, all of a sudden, oh, this ability that we didn't know what the cast by was is actually a really, really, really big chariot that's going to kill everyone. Well, now you know for next time. And so you go back in the next time two hours later, but at least you get to go back in two hours later. Yeah, here you could go, you could not go back in for two days. Hell, two weeks if your luck was uh, poor enough. And considering it's it's been three days of pretty consistently hitting every single one of those, and I think I've failed any of those states maybe once or twice. Yeah. Uh, and and no dice is a little bit more than frustrating. And I know that I'm not the only one in that boat. No, 
definitely not. Mm-hmm. I was in that boat until today. That was that was my, today. I hit a lucky streak where I've qual. I, so up until today, I've done probably about as many as you, or, or I, I'm not sure how many I've actually done. I haven't been keeping track. Uh, the first day I qualified for Gabriel, I got killed by a knockback because I didn't know how far it knocked me back. So I didn't get knocked in a tower. I died. Then my re-raise procced, but I had not been knocked just far enough into a lightning AOE, and I died to that. The little ones you place on the ground. Yeah. So my re-raise got up, and I died to the dot that it gives you afterwards. That was my first attempt. On the second day, I got into uh, Lion. Uh, And because nobody can dodge anything in the Red Chocobo. It's the best one to try to win, because so many people get hit on Red Chocobo. It's the only one I really cared about doing first, because I felt like it was my best chance of participating in the contest. And that would be my advice to you. If you don't think the world can handle Red Chocobo, try to solo Lion first. Because you've got a pretty good chance. Even when I didn't ask people to uh, sarcastically take a hit, I was almost always like 50-50 or like one in three people who had like had a chance of getting in. Um, mm. I got to, I think like seven, like 82% or something and died. I had not been in since. I got in twice today. After finally watching everyone's like bionic progress of making it to this percentage and this percentage, this percent, and I won. And then I and then twenty five people qualified for Gabriel, and somehow someone decided it was it was time, and I actually got selected. Four percent. I four percent. I was busy talking match. I was like, guys, I mean, who wants to take bets that whoever gets it just dies to the to extreme caution? Who wants to take that bet? I pop up. I'm like, don't take that bet. Don't take that bet, okay? <laughs> that bet's not good anymore. Don't take it. And man, there is there is a little bit of satisfaction in going there and watching the person who stole your jewel die in a horrible way. Yeah, but yeah, there is some entertainment. It's, it's an awkward entertainment value that goes into it. That is an equal frustration value at the same time. Where you, because here's the thing: if the person who took your spot went in, got their clear. It was exciting to watch. You knew that you're like it wasn't like wasted on somebody who just picked it and returned. It's almost okay to maybe take it's that. It's good as well, and it also because then you also yeah, get they won't compete. I know you also get the raid uh, the area wide medal buff. Yeah, so it's benefit for everyone. And this is a public service announcement. It's a benefit for everyone that if you cannot, if you don't think you can kill the fight. Let someone go in who can, because he's going to give everyone in the entire zone a 50% metal up buff for 30 minutes. Yeah. Hmm. That's pretty nice. Yeah. And it's, uh, but that's not what happens most of the time. <laughs> most of the time somebody goes in. The, okay. So, so, so here, here, here's the, the viewer checklist for when somebody else gets into 1v1. First, you stare at the circle where they're going to appear. If they appear immediately, mm-hmm. you are scared. Because odds are they just took it immediately when it popped and they've prepared nothing. Step number two, click on the icon where their actions are listed. The uh, little uh, remembrance thing that it's called. I, I forget what it's called. And look at the two actions they brought. If it doesn't say mana wall, mana then... Ward. Yeah, if it doesn't yeah, say man. mana wall, then just walk away because you already know it's going to happen. <laughs> go go do mm-hmm. the next skirmish because you you don't need to wait two minutes for this fight to start. Um, and then if you're doing Lion, if you don't see Dispel, walk away. <laughs> if you're doing Pyromancer and you don't see a medkit active, maybe walk away. Maybe they're on a healer and they'll assume it, but probably walk away. Um, 
I had something really bad happen with the Pyromancer earlier. Somebody put in yell chat. Uh, attention, everyone. If you are uncomfortable with the encounter or are not prepared for it, please do not queue in so other people who have the knowledge and the uh, and the experience can go in and attempt to get a clear. It will provide a metal buff. That person actually qualified. They died about the same time as everyone else did. <laughs> I didn't think they died because I was like, oh, yeah, they're doing it correct. And then they fell over and I'm like, Did they forget to medkit? No, they, they, I guess there was an AOE I couldn't see properly that clipped them because it looked like they dodged to the corner, the big explosion from the tornado came out, and then they were dead. Yeah. But they were mm-hmm. in the corner. Like they were in the corner like way before, so they must have been hit by us like the second bait or something. Server two? Maybe they rolled themselves. That's possible. Maybe they touched the wall and I didn't see it. Unfortunate. Though. Yeah. Also, really, uh, they'll bit. probably won't be using that yell and that yell macro anymore. <laughs> probably. probably not. Um, but man, I gotta say, when you do get in, I really want these one v ones in a more structured manner in Overworld Fates. Like, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna have like a proper Stormblood where we actually go towards Garlemald, and in the zones you have like kind of similar things with the one v ones and the general Overworld. I'd be uh, mm. I'd be pumped to do all those, but I agree with you that the entry is the problem. Two hundred clusters, let us spawn it. Yep. That's it. Do you think they're going to be a thing going forward? No, because I don't think we're going to get another zone at all. Nope. The South Pin. I mean, you they might ex- expand this one, but I don't think we're getting another one. So. We went over this last week's slide. In the live letter, mm-hmm. they mentioned that the next step of the Save the Queen story is is Delibrum Regine, the Queen Sanctum. Delibrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's as a 24-man normal and a 48-man savage. Now, that on the surface seems good. It fits the 72-player uh, quality that, you know, if there were 72 people in the zone, then you could have both groups functioning simultaneously without hindering the progress of one another. It on the surface already seems like a, like mm-hmm. a better system than having Valdesian. But they made no yeah. mention of another zone. Ever. And on top of that, there's interviews where they talk about how they wanted to do something a little different for every step. So, solo instance with an extreme trial optional. Zone with relic steps plus the option to do them outside. 24-48 man. Question mark. So you think we're done with resistance rank? We're done with... That progression I, I'm feeling I'm feeling strongly about that. The only thing that's left is 0.5. Because there's a statement they made about Ultimate mm. that leaves me with some question marks. Because a while back they said they were going to be done with development on the next Ultimate way before 0.5. Because they needed the resources to work on something brand new. And they said it was big. Yes. So that could be another zone, but if it was, I wouldn't expect it to function like the Southern Front. Now, it could still use resistance rank. You could need resistance rank inside the 24 and 48 man. It could have some relevance to something in there. Maybe you want the additional weight. Maybe actions for savage mode are more important. So you need more rank in order to hold more so you can do it properly. That wouldn't entirely surprise me. But I don't... I'm in the prediction boat that there is not another zone happening. It's really interesting. 
Yeah. It's only based on things they've said or or, or displayed yeah. so far. It's it's still entirely up to being wrong. It's a prediction. It's not it's not you know truth. No, but, I can you know. see exactly why you're saying it though, and that is, is it's strange to think that something that's obviously had so much work put into it won't be developed further because that's what they love doing. As soon as they put in a lot of chips, they're kind of gambler's fallacy. Oh, I've already got a you know, we've put plenty in here, we've got to keep going. Remember Lords of Dominion was getting updates regularly for a while. And they're just gonna release Bozier and then leave it like that? They might make oh, adjustments. Man. They might they might go back and, and fix certain things or make it uh I mean they've ever even already future proofed it with the NPCs that can beat the skirmishes without you there. That's future proofing for when people want to level in there and if there's not a ton of people in the zone. And there's already fate scaling as well. Also, so they killed them way too fast sometimes. <laughs> yes. like you can't even was it the there's a machine one in the northwest where if yeah. you're not on the ball, you're missing it. Yeah. No. So I I think that. I think about all the work that went into creating Memoria uh Misera Memoria or Memoria Misera. If I, I think about the mm-hmm. vast amount of visual work that went into that and developing that one time experience. I think about it with Sapphire Weapon. And I think about their continual mm-hmm. movement towards creating extravagant one time or sometimes more experiences. I think an elaborate 2448 man will fit that bill without them needing to make a whole nother zone. And I think whatever they'll do for point five will be more of the same. I don't think point five will just be a victory lap. That I don't think. I, I don't think they'll just be like, oh, go run around and it's done. Could be, but I don't think yeah. it will. So then do you think that all the systems that we currently have in place are going to be used for BA2? Yes. I think so we're not all, your lost, all your lost actions will still be in there. I think your rank will probably matter for the weight. I think all of that will be relevant for the 24 and the 48, man. But I don't think it'll mm-hmm. push the bill to like raise it for any arbitrary reason. Because once you're past yeah. 10, it's only being raised for an arbitrary reason. So you think no more actions, no more rank... No, I, kind of, I, I, think, I, think right if anything, I think if there's anything new or different, it is going to be in addition to these systems. They've, they've taken the systems from Eureka. They've evolved them. They've, they've given them a breath of life. And I don't think they need to push the bill on those very much more. They could, and they very well, you know, it, it's up to them at the end of the day. That's not what I'm predicting. That's all. It's just not what I'm predicting. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But it's a prediction. Yeah, I, That's it. Yeah, because I was always under the assumption that it was going to be like Eureka, that there would be that was my something assumption. new added every single time. That was my uh, assumption yeah. until the live letter, until they made no mention of another zone. Then I put all the pieces together. Yeah. No, you're right. That's it's very interesting. So when you say a 2448 man, you're talking about specifically BA2? Yeah, that's called the Lubrum Regiment. There's a 24-man right. normal, which has no role requirements, easy mode. 48 man is called yeah. Savage. Only pre, only pre-made parties allowed in. Real quick, because I know, because I know it's going mm-hmm. off topic. Because I have certain feelings about this. How do you feel about a normal mode of what is essentially BA2? I mean, I remember the hype of beating Ozma on what people, what felt like Savage Alliance raids, essentially. And that's how I'm yeah. approaching this. I'll enjoy the savage. I'll enjoy the savage. It doesn't matter to me. Again, all that matters to me is savage. That's, for me, that's that would be. I, I, I wouldn't be upset about that because it's like being upset that like normal mode Shiva exists and stuff. That's how I feel about it. 
But it makes right. me want more. It makes me want Savage Mode Palace of the Dead if, if with roller. Play. <laughs> I mean, I guess technically 101 plus is Savage Mode Palace of the Dead in their eyes, yeah. probably. Sly. I think it's good. Um, again, on paper, the Lubrum sounds way, way better than than how um, BA was gated. Um, it allows people to go in for normal and, you know, get their feet wet, you know, prepare themselves for Savage, and then do Savage. Now, it'd be safe to assume that Savage is going to have something completely separate from normal. I if think it'll have an exclusive about, phase. I actually think there's going to be that's an exclusive what I'm, that's boss what I'm or phase that's exclusive. That's, that's exclusive what I'm saying. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah. If the people who want to see the content, people who want to see everything from the Lubrum, they'll do normal and savage. Here's the big thing. Like the people. I want you to. Okay. I want you to pose this. So we keep talking. A lot of people talk about how savage is probably just like BA, right? That's a reasonable assumption, assumption. to make because they called it Project okay. BA two. Like that's their own naming convention for it. There's mm-hmm. a there's there's a big difference between a piece of content where when you fail it you de level you need to grind it again you need to find another instance and do it versus a place where you can lose metal no one gives a shit and do it over and over and over again with little consequence which means I I actually expect it to be a little harder than Baldes here I I I don't think it'll be like our eight man savages. But I think it'll be another step up the totem pole. A little bit. Only a little bit. So the reason that I... I'm going to be contrarian here. The reason that I have a okay. bit of a problem with the normal mode is that part of the really cool thing about BA and the experience of going through through BA is the exploration factor. Which, as soon as you have a normal mode, you're taking that away from Savage, essentially. All you're there in Savage for is specifically combat. Which it feels like it kind of cheapens it. It takes it. It doesn't make one of them super heavily weighted in both of those areas. It means you've got just exploration content and just combat content instead of both in one, which is you know part of what made BA so successful. I think this reminds me of the conversation we have or have had in the past about the idea of releasing savages before normals. That's that's hmm. that's come up before, where the explore the idea of going into the boss that's at its maximum power blind versus doing the normal mode and then taking pieces from there and being surprised occasionally, but essentially being taught uh, like a like a like a trial run, like a basic training mode for the hmm. savage you're about to attempt a little bit later. We, we've had we've had this discussion like that. It's, it sounds very similar to that discussion, the way that you're, uh, I guess, posturing it for as uh, as the what you su- suspect it'll be because of the normal mode. Yeah, it's it's very similar, but I feel like it's more pronounced simply because of the the nature of you know a public dungeon. That's the thing; they never called this a public dungeon. They've made sure to avoid that term so far with it within oh. the part one. Yeah, um, right. They've made another thing is they still haven't even made mention. I suspect you have to be in the southern front to zone in. There's actually a spot to the south that's on the map. It's pinned. Yeah. yeah. And can you, you can cold? see it, by the way. If you go Firelight to the top, something. Yeah, Fairlight. Yeah, Fairlight. Something. If you go to the top Fire, and look Firelight back, something. it looks like something really important. Firelight's coffin. 
It looks like a, like a meteor that hit from like Dalamud. It's like this massive structure that comes out of the ground and what looks like a blasting zone. I don't know if that's where Dalamud hit. That might have been where the original Dalamud hit, where the original Bajda was. Yeah, the the the, the ruins of the Bajda Citadel, where Sid's father fucked everything up. Yeah. So there's bound to be some crazy shit in there. <laughs> So oh. that's one thing I'm looking. I won't be surprised if that is their point five, and it's almost like an indoor version of what we get for like Eureka and the Bajda areas. But it's like the entire it's like a structure as opposed to an open area or something like that. Because there's bound to be some shit in there. Has to be. Yeah. I mean, if it's Dalamud stuff, could be similar to coils. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that. Uh, yeah. But, but, but Svea, you were saying, yeah, Svea, you were saying how you, you think normal, uh, kind of lessens or cheapens Savage in terms not of so explore, much, exploration. Well, that not so much lessens or cheapens it, it's just more that it separates what BA did and how uh-huh. epic it felt, I guess. And puts uh-huh. the parts of it into separate sections completely. So you, instead of getting one thing which is great, you get two things which are good. Is kind of how I'm, I'm foreseeing it. Okay. Okay. I'm just That's down fair. for another fucking raid prog in 5.4 because there's already three or four of them that we've lined up. We've got I Savage, we've got Blue Mage Savage, we've got potentially Blue Cob and Blue Woo, and then we've got the Libram <laughs> It's going to be a good time to write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a good time to be in an FC with a lot of people who like to do hard stuff. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that was a big thing with BA. I remember when we, when we all grouped up to do that, uh, we all said this, the first time that all these groups have played together at once, because there's never been a reason. Yeah. They're, yeah. There also is very little, this is actually a, a tangent, which you probably should go into. There's very little support in the game for it. Yeah. Uh, and if you are a part of the queuing nightmare that is getting into, even now with Boja and queuing nightmare that was BA, it's still a problem. To get into, uh, Well, no, well, you, you, if you want to run, uh, a Castrum with all your buds, you need to oh. sit outside, sit in voice chat and sync up your queues over voice. Yeah, because there's no um, way to queue in yeah. 24 people or anything like that. We tried just to make sure. Yeah, yeah, no alliance queuing. That would be nice. The discords, the discords that I've uh, been on for um, like two, two cash and runs, uh, they would do that, and both times they one shot it. I don't know how. We, had, we actually had high success with it too, surprisingly. Yeah, but yeah. that doesn't seem like a, a making of the system. That's not like the system was like, oh, those guys are together, clearly. No, we just, we just got lucky. Right. I think when a lot of people try to join all at once, it probably just spawns a fresh instance and then dumped us all in there. Because most of the time we've had six groups all at once queuing, it, it's kind of worked that way. Yeah, most of it takes like two or mm-hmm. three tries. And you'd think in two or three tries, what are the odds it makes another instance? You know? Yeah. But it might see an instance fill and go, oh shit, I gotta make a new one. And then you leave the one that just triggered that reaction and then you get into the next one. 
Yeah. So yeah. making it two or three tries. That makes sense. That actually does make sense. Okay. Um, so we're, we're two hours and seven minutes in the show. We haven't spoken about cash from. <laughs> okay. Let's blast this out real quick. <laughs> so, um, the ultimate critical engagement here is, uh, cash from Lacus Latore, which I keep calling lactose intolerant. Um, I can't stop with the, <laughs> there's a lot of nicknames for Lacus Latore. And this feels like the, the accessible BA equivalent. In a, in a sense. It's like, an, it's way more like an alliance raid that's yeah. just asking you to maybe have a look. You, they start with a low time to actually like do it. And then you earn more time as you go. Mm. That's the only thing that really makes it stand out. But first impressions, impressions, impressions of the cash room, I suppose. We'll start with uh, Sphia. Very cool. I think it's, it wasn't expected as it like a, the content that it is from me at least. Mm. Um, it's, just the right difficulty where anyone can do it. I don't think there's anything harder really than like an end dungeon boss in there. Uh, while also being really immersive and like doubling down on the whole exploration, uh, you know, side of things, which is what Bojan is supposed to be. Right. Fix all the boxes for me. Okay. Sly? I thought this was kind of the prequel. For the Lubrum and in terms of both story and uh, preparation, um, it like you you had to be coordinated from from a first kill from first clear standpoint, like first day or first or second day. Um, it relied heavily, heavily on coordination. Um, everyone, especially second area, everyone, you just can't run off and do your own thing. God forbid you, you get like four, four prisoners killed or whatnot. If you just run off ahead, one person just runs off ahead and everybody's still just waiting and talking. Um, I love that about it. I love it. It, it required coordination. It required communication. Uh, the bosses were fun and fair. Um, hell, uh, if you did this before you even, you've even taken a stab at Lion 1v1, you have knowledge. Congratulations. Um, yeah, all in all, I think it, it, it really, it really was a fun prequel to Delirium. Well, I mean, we don't. I, I don't think Deliverum's even going to remotely feel like this. Oh no, 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 no! Like that, that's why I said it's a prequel. Well, yeah, that, but not, I don't know it, that I even feel that I would like think of it as. It just feels. It feels like an alliance raid that was thrown into this, and I think people are giving it with knowledge more respect than it deserves. With knowledge, yes. With knowledge, yes. Um, I don't know. 24 man's alliance raids seem a little bit more forgiving. Well, the, this guy that goes in, the fact they only start you with 20 minutes means you get one or two tries on the first set of bosses to figure right. it out. And then that's it. You're done. Right. If you had two hours right from the yeah. start of this instance, nobody would be afraid to go in. And some people are afraid of losing metal, which is point. It's, it fucking takes two seconds to get back, guys. Come on. <laughs> it takes two seconds to get back. But at the same time, if you're still trying to rank, I mean. So How weird I, is it? That the cash room itself doesn't give metal. Very it's weird. It's a critical engagement. 
It's very, very weird. weird. Even just you at the lose very it, end. You can lose it. Yeah, you can lose it, but you can't get it back in the cash room. It's very weird. I thought that's a, that might be a, a, one of the major oversights to, uh, Lex Latoria is that you just don't get any metal from it. You get, you get, yeah. uh, fragments, you get coins, but no metal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. it definitely feels like an oversight. Yeah, it does. It's, it yeah. doesn't make that much of a difference. Again, getting metal back, it's, a lot of people overvalue the metal they've collected. It's so easy to get metal. I fucking lost 20,000 in a run. I did one critical engagement. I got 15,000 back. I was like, I don't care. Right. See, Bellana won the 1v1 and got 160,000 metal. I did because I also won the 1v1. And got, yeah. <laughs> Gabriel so was worth 116,000 metal. <laughs> yeah. So if you need to level up quickly, just win the one. Just beat the one v one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, that yeah. it's it's one yeah. it's one seventh or something of the. Uh, well, Gabriel's like one. I didn't actually check how much Lion was. I got to go back and check the values again. Uh, but yeah, it's I I, I enjoy it. I just I, I hate seeing people be so scared of something that is really no different than content they literally had to do to get here. Or bone, pre pre echo or bone, or, or you know Ritterana and so it's other than the time limit you're given, it's not any more difficult than those. The most difficult part is the True. end, and trusting eight people to beat this small man with an axe. That's the only scary honestly, part. <laughs> well, honestly, the first part's scary too, depending on DPS output. No, it's scary depending on how many people just fucking Leroy Jenkins, the boss at the bottom. That shit's scary. Wait, you haven't seen you haven't seen the endless amount of yeah no but ads. endless the ads are pathetic. The enrage is like said okay so <laughs> I'm gonna blow your mind. So the enrage has nothing to do with killing the bosses at the same time. People have been spreading that misinformation. Mm-hmm. We had the bottom kill the boss like three minutes in, and we and they had to kill ads for four minutes. They never got a colossus until about the seven and a half minute mark. We had only six people up top, so, you know, that was our bad. <laughs> but you want to know what's even funnier about that? You can death the Colossus, <laughs> and then you don't have an Enrage. <laughs> he just goes away. There's an Enrage? Yeah. That a Colossus there's shows... a soft Enrage. Yeah, there's a Colossus that a shows up enrage. at the bottom and hits everyone for 10 million a hit. So, like, he just autos for 10 million and cleaves for 10 million. Um, so, but you what, can what, cast what death on were, him, and then the enrage is gone. <laughs> so what people were doing, like in in our groups, like once we reached that point, we just had a tank, you know, tank it until you know it took swipe, and then you know somebody else would take aggro, and, and then somebody else would just you know run to the party and cleave everyone, and then we would all be down except for maybe one person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's an enraged. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, there's a soft enrage. Okay, well, it's news to me. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, implies that maybe there is uh-huh. an enrage for uh, for the other fights. Darwin. Because I mean, there's technically an enrage. Darwin. Yeah, I mean, so Dawn obviously has the lion rage if people screw up. Um, right. That's that. Atromelic doesn't seem like he has one though. I don't it doesn't know. Feel like I just I am not an authority yeah, I, on the matter. 
Yeah. By the way, and then, uh, of course, the people have been complaining about lag. I'm going to assume it's because I've been locally recording and somehow it didn't like that. <laughs> I'm going to be <laughs> assuming that's why people are seeing lag on the stream because I am connected to Twitch just fine. But uh, something may not be playing nice on my PC. So I have a feeling it just stopped. I have a, I have, I have a strong feeling your <laughs> lag on stream just stopped. I was locally recording pretty much that whole time. So it might be a little bit stopgap. But I have a strong feeling everyone on the stream is going to be like, oh, yeah, it looks fine now. It looks great. So I wanted to put that out. Yeah. But yeah, there's an enrage. There's an enrage on the first boss. But it's a deathable enrage. If you death the Colossus, then the enrage is gone. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll take that. You can you can death a lot of things in there. You can death the executioner. You can de- you can death all the mini bosses. Mm-hmm. You can death the ads on Dewan. You can death the Colossus enrage. You can death a lot of things. So speaking of the executioner, that's actually the part that probably the only part that makes me more hesitant to pug because getting all six chests is so important. It is. It is. Um, that's why I say communication and coordination is key in, in cash. And for that reason, getting the rewards, getting all the chests, getting the Bajan coins, as many Bajan coins as you can. Um, again, just today, uh, pug group, first pug clear. The other two were Discord clears, but the first pug clear I've had, I see, I see five um, prisoners released or freed, and then it says no more prisoners can be saved, and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like, did somebody miss one? And then we go southeast, nobody touched anything on that wing, and like all the doors were closed, all the, the three ads were still there. No, somebody missed, somebody missed something. So yeah, yeah, communication is definitely key for that. It's, it's also really difficult because there's no alliance chat. There's nothing like that. There's no easy way to differentiate group one, group two, group three, all the way through six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's also, it's forgiving enough that one group, one party can do two rooms or two wings of that area, mm-hmm. uh, if they're quick. If you bring deaths, yeah, you, you, you can, yeah, if, if you bring deaths, if you bring as many people, as many white mages or whatever with deaths, then you suddenly become just, you can, you can mow those parts over real quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chad is talking about enrages for a Dramlek and Dolan. Apparently they've had worse experiences than we have. They exist? A Dramlek has an enrage? What? <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, I mean, Dolan, I know Dolan has Lion. That, that's that's a thing. But outside of Lion, I haven't seen anything. Like, once you get past Lion, it's just, he just repeats shit. He just repeats the Obey and did a few other well, mechanics. Apparently, if you suck enough, he will just end your life at some point. <laughs> I know, it's Why? pretty surprising wow. to hear that there's actually Enrages, right? Yeah. I mean, even dungeon bosses don't have these, which is kind of how I, you know, equate these in terms of tuning. Right. They just, this is really interesting. Okay. Maybe I should go and do some (laughs) science by dying a little bit, not pushing buttons and seeing what the images do. Come on. You don't need to do that. No, push all the buttons. Yeah, just push them all at once with no semblance of uh, direction. I'd, yeah. I'd actually just be really interested to see that because 
I don't think twenty four men. So they have it hard on rages. No, I think there might be one or two no. that do. Like I like I think yeah. there's probably one or two that do. But uh, I know there's like there, was, there's there's, 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 there's there's DPS checks like Diablos's door, for example. Right. But yeah. the, right. but, the, but, but after that, I mean, he literally kills himself over the end of that fight. Like he starts draining his own health. So like there's, there's no right. full encounter in rage time. Yeah, there's no like twelve minutes right. and it's over kind of thing. Like people like look no further than the math boss in the lighthouse, <laughs> where people have had like thirty two minute attempts at the fucking boss. Right. So Sphere's really intrigued. All he was like, all right, he's, yeah, cash from what it's it's a really, really new take on the way they're tuning something. Because putting a hard emerge right. on some uh, on a fight is just another way of adding punishment, but the mechanics themselves aren't punishing. Uh, values aren't that high in terms of damage output. So mm-hmm. it's like a really interesting mix of different like sort of philosophies they have across different pieces of content that have just like slapped differently. Yeah. It's, it's actually really, really cool that it has a hard enrage on virtually every fight, it seems like. Yeah, and, the, and yeah. technically the prisoners dying is their hard enrage. In a sense, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's a hardened yes. rage in and of itself. In a sense, and instead of wiping, you just get wait, 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 yeah. wait, 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 wait. Is it possible? Like all the prisoners dying doesn't stop a raid, right? No, doesn't, no, like, you just don't get it. any bonus loot. Oh yeah, that like I would. But but uh, that is technically the second encounter, <laughs> the prisoner escape encounter, right? So that's the enrage of the second encounter, in a sense. Yeah, I would. I would just bounce from that point. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy Cash Room, and I'm really glad yes. to see after a few days have gone by, people are hopping in just random, random groups. Like the, it's pugging. It's, it's completely puggable at this point. The only stop, pop, yeah. the only stop gap is Lion at the end. It's making sure you have eight people who can actually do Lion, do the DPS check. That's at the end. Because if they can't, you you mm-hmm. lose. It's over. That's it. So yeah. I'm glad to see that it's it's accessible. It's Rewarding enough, the coin rewards that you need to actually finish the 495 set isn't too bad. No. Uh, but. Good luck getting runner secrets, though. Yeah, you better hope for runner secrets to drop. So, so there's augment materials that don't change the item level. They just give them haste uh, inside of yeah. Bajja. So it's plus one haste for the head, hands, and boots, and it is plus two haste for the body and the legs. Those can I, those those you can acquire in one of two ways. They can drop from the boss chests. From Adramlik, uh, Bryanak, or um, Dewan, or you can buy them with coins. Now it takes what ninety-one coins to buy a set of armor for a job, something like that, like ninety-something coins. It's a uh, five hundred coins per augment for head, hands, or boots, and it's nine hundred ninety-nine coins for body or legs. So you better for hope reference. those drop. Just for reference, you get about or thirty coins. Twenty-six per coins run. is the max. If you free every prisoner, it's twenty-six yeah. coins. Yeah. And that number does not or, go up. <laughs> or. Uh, how, how much did I go for? Like 15? 15. Uh, you got 15 mil handy? Hey, my, my legs are only 8 mil. There you go. Yeah, you can throw money at it. My GCD is going to be 2.2 by the time I have all that haste. Boy. If you want to play more than one class in Eureka, or one role, sorry, and you want all the haste pieces on it, that is obscenely expensive. Mm. Nah, it'll go down. (laughs) I I Mm. hope so. So, um, 
I have a different quarrel with this. Okay. Square Enix. I understand you think haste is a really fancy stat, but you can be more creative with unique effects in a content where I can cast death to instantly kill things. You're allowed to be a little unhinged when it comes to bonus effects on gear. Five haste is, or yeah, is not, not my idea. Well, it's seven haste, I guess. Yeah. Seven haste is, is not my idea of encouraging. <laughs> I would with the air. Uh, yeah. But I would have liked to have seen anything else <laughs> at all yeah. on any of them. We're literally in content where I can reflect every boss mechanic on a boss. I can death the ads. Mm -hmm. I can, (laughs) I can refuse all healing to do a bunch of bonus damage. I can, I can boost my damage 16 times, use an automatic direct hit crit and do 500,000 damage with an ability. And all you could come up with on this gear was haste. I mean, they were a little more creative in Eureka with the elemental level, uh, the elemental attribute, which mm. was essentially just main stat. Yeah. But it it felt a little bit more engaging, like there was actual gear progression there, as opposed to right now we have just haste. And most jobs um, don't even want it. It just fucks their burst windows. They don't want it. Well, too bad. <laughs> I've heard some people say something interesting, though, and I'm going to put it to the test tonight, that the recollection weapon, its full stats are active inside of Bajja, not the 430 stats. I'm going to put that to the test later, because I don't think it's true. But that sounds- it sounds like complete bullshit, but I've heard it from more than one person at this point, so I need to prove it's wrong or be proven wrong. There's striking dummies in town. Yeah. So... It's a very yeah. good test. Well, it's not even yeah. that. I'll just look at my stats. I'll throw on anything else that would be synced to 430, and then I'll throw that on. True. Yeah. True, 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 true. Yeah. And then you have the earring, which doesn't even work. <laughs> Wait, it doesn't work? So the haste does. Apparently not. But everything else about it was broken. So it's not 30% bonus EXP. It's 10% bonus EXP, but it says 30% bonus EXP. And until uh, they patched it, all of the scaling stats didn't work. So that's what the hotbox was for. Yeah. <laughs> the earrings were just, they were bugged beyond all belief. Okay. <laughs> was, cool. It was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, we kind of had to speed through the cash from there. We didn't really get too much into the individual bosses, but they're, they're like dungeon difficult. Don't be afraid. If a group, if somebody starts shouting for cash from and you're like, I kind of want to do it, then do it. it. You shouldn't be afraid of it. There's no reason to be afraid yeah. of it. But, but we all agree that. Again, if you're. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say we all agree that Adrenaline best boss. Yes, hundred uh, percent. Sure, I guess. Really? Okay. Dude, right, who fire pl- fire plus literally anything else has I'm I have PTSD. I've done I I farmed ninety nine SOS extremes. I see fire and any other mechanic combined, and I just want to die inside because <laughs> everyone's going to die outside. Double being put through the gauntlet. That is. Yeah. See to save you. See to sacrifice. 
Yeah, I'm sure yeah. After doing 99 of all the Shadowbringers primals thus far, I've got certain perspectives on certain mechanics that I didn't have before. Fire. Fire and Earth. What's, what's your favorite, then? Well, I, I guess it's... I'm more excited about the critical engagements outside than I am about the bosses inside. <laughs> I, I mean, specifically inside. Yeah, but that's the problem. None of them are exci- excite me inside. Oh. Dramlek is a fucking laugh. And so is Dewan. Lion is the most exciting part of that, and he's kind of a fucking laugh. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... Oh, once you understand you know everything, it's pretty simple. If you don't kill Bryanak fast, that fight gets really bad for lesser skilled players very quickly. <laughs> There's a spot where it tethers you to an orb with a magnetic charge, and then it pull swaps oh. the orbs. <laughs> so you have to... So, I mean, that's not tough. The orbs will swap first, and then your mechanic will happen after, so you just need to know where it'll be. But I... I I have so many stories of people and magnets that I have no faith in the average person approaching that mechanic with any sort of sensibility. <laughs> there is something cool about that mechanic and that they've made it so that it only shows you your oh, tether yes. now, which was never done before. Yes. New tech. Which is, by the way, great for visibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And clarity of mechanics. That's a new advancement that I will appreciate. Like, imagine that in A3, for example. Yes. Instead of the massive yes, tether all around the boss. So useful. Now you can Holy only shit. see who you're tethered to. Yeah, but that's not, but that's savage. So that's part yeah, of the yeah. challenge. It's part of the difficulty. I get it. But it's, <laughs> it's new tech from them. It is. I like to see it. Yeah. Right. Because the, the application of it is, is, Something that, while we're only thinking about it in the context we see it, does not have to only apply to the mechanic we see it used on. So, there's room, as long as mechanics don't affect other people, and it's only relevant to you to see your own mechanic, they can do a lot with that. Yeah. So, uh, with that, about the only other thing we really didn't touch on is that resistance rank doesn't increase your power at all, other than giving you more weight once you get past 10, kind of. that's the, I don't know if you guys have any specific feelings towards that not affecting your power at all inside the zones. Mm. It doesn't really make a difference in terms of anything. No. You, you didn't do. really care about One elemental thing. level in particular, like the that that process of Eureka. It elemental level made you feel really powerful when you got to high levels and you stacked a bunch of it, and like you got that, you know, RPG fantasy of just absolutely blowing shit up. But at the same time, there's they it feels like they put that power into actions this time as opposed right. to into your elemental level. My big thing is that elemental level really discouraged people of different speeds from playing together. Like, if you were somebody who went in day one and got 20 levels, and then your friend wants to pick it up, they're, they're, yeah. you're, there's like, what do I do? I'm like, well, I can do fates with you, I guess. That's it. Like, yeah. And you, by the way, you really only want to do these low-level ones, or you want to chain mobs or something. Chaining mobs in Pagos, especially if, you're, if you didn't play with friends pretty much consistently the whole way through, was not great to say the least, um, until the nerfs came through. <laughs> so it seems like that was that was the problem they wanted to resolve, but they also wanted to make sure there was a degree of progress in the zone, which is why they lock certain sections away and make it so certain actions only become available at higher ranks and that you can hold more actions as you go. And that's what you said. It makes sense to feel like they put the power behind the actions because the actions are locked until later. Right. So Just don't do what we did with resistance rank and pull it instead of upgrading your resistance rank yes. because every time you upgrade it, 
you your metal gain increases by like forty ish percent. Yeah, I think so, it caps no. per zone. Like, I think after rank five, the tier one normal skirmishes stop scaling up, but the critical engagements keep scaling the whole time. So yeah, mm-hmm. so we stayed on like three levels at one point. So we were just we didn't realize that we were absolutely hamstringing ourselves there. Level up your resistance rank as soon as you get it, soon as possible, please. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure that gonna miss. What happened? No, I'm saying um, oh, I, I kind of miss the the ability to the ability to kind of fuck about anywhere, even though you had no business being there because you knew shit was probably gonna one shot you. I mean, that's still kind of present in terms of once, like in terms of star Bro, enemies. I walked like, past a, I walked past that tiger. He crit me for seventy k and then clawed me in the face, and I was dead. <laughs> Zone definitely yeah, doesn't feel as dangerous, does it? No, it yeah, doesn't. It doesn't that, feel feels, that feels deliberate. You have to go to very specific yeah. places to feel that threat. Yeah, you have the hit. You have the once you start hitting the uh, five enemies. Yeah, they they can like the riders in the third area, or uh, I forget what they were in the second area or first. But yeah, the riders in the third area and like all on the east side. Yeah, that area just hurts. It's doable. I mean, hell, if your party's there, uh, go for it. But, yeah, it's, like, I still don't feel in in fear of my life like I did in Eureka, whereas you took a wrong turn and you were just fucked. Good luck getting someone to heal you. What about the aesthetic of the zone? Some people are not a fan of the World War One style trench aesthetic, very gray, very green, sort of, in a sense. I'm colorblind, so I don't give a shit. But What do you expect? It's fucking war! Is it supposed to look? The only problem I have with it is that it doesn't lend itself towards much diversity in terms of what you can fight in there. Like, you're limited to a few plant things, a lot of magitech, a few undead, and then... Red Chocobras. Red Chocobras. That's... That's it. They can't really add too much in there without it just looking really out of place. That's my biggest gripe with... The style, I guess. Well, spoiler for everyone. Um, once we get to Garlemald, and when we do get to Garlemald, you're not going to have a lot of diversity there either. So sorry. That's why we're not going to go there. Don't worry. Forspoken. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going there. I'm calling it already. We're not going to fucking Garlemald again. <laughs> we could. We could be and Chalet. <laughs> We'll go there for five seconds, and then we're going to (laughs) leave. And then come back, like, at the end. End of, like, 6.1. If you really want some aesthetic, yeah, go look at that uh, Firelight's Coffin, and just remember that Dalamud once destroyed uh, a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, Garlanes there. It'll be good. That's it. That'll help. There is still a good bit of lore hidden throughout the zone. There's some ruins of old Bajja around. There's certain there's certain landmarks in there that hold some significance to what it used to be before it was completely obliterated by Dalamud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's that one NPC chilling outside of this like first little encampment. You know that's like, the guy who's sub- in Gabriel, okay. right? The Bog? That's the guy who controls is it Gabriel. The Bog? Yeah. yeah. Who's like, who am I? Yeah. 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 I, I skipped up things. Right. Well, he's not so, in any cutscenes. Yeah, you see him around the map. When you, when Gabriel um, challenges you, literally tells you you're fighting Debog. <laughs> in the challenge window yeah, that he's, pops up, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, you know, the the thing that I never get into. No, but you do get the qualification <laughs> that lets you see his name. <laughs> True. So this is this is a bit of a problem we didn't touch on with critical engagements. That when they spawn close to Castrum spawning. <laughs> Which fortunately we figured mm. out the patterns for Castrum, yeah. but it is kind of fucky the way that it works in that these can spawn and then Castrum can spawn while you're in them and you're essentially fucked. Yeah. So yeah. that's uh that's a bit of a problem. And also the queuing system for how your party works. Relative to Kestrom as well. If one person in your party is in a critical engagement, you can't queue for Kestrom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to kick them out of the party. I think you actually need to completely disband yes, the party, reform the party. Do. So we had yeah. the opposite problem where one person went into Kestrom and one of the 1v1 critical engagement, like qualifiers, uh, the vigil for the lost one spawn, and they left the party, but we couldn't go in. We had to disband the party and then reform it when we actually got into the critical engagement. I mean, we could have done it outside, but there's no point in doing that. Right. It's, it's a little bit backwards. But we're learning more about the way in which things spawn, particularly critical engagements, so you can kind of start mitigating that to a degree if you're paying attention. In case uh, anyone's wondering, 60 minutes after the instance open, Castrum spawns. 90 minutes after the one-minute wait period to queue in will be when the next one spawns. I have now tested this in very many instances throughout the day after we did it, after we tested it once, and it has been very consistent. Yeah. Uh, that's mm. been like universal as well. Everyone I've talked to has had the exact same experience. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's recycled Baldessian code for anyone who does it. The reason we landed on that is because it's recycled Baldessian code. Baldessian was Avni could only spawn 20 minutes after an instance opened, and then every 20 minutes, I think, every 20 minutes. It was either every 20 or every 30, I don't remember. Um, until somebody went into BA, if anyone entered BA, then it put all of, it put Avni respawning on a two-hour cooldown instantly. So then two hours after somebody entered a portal, it would do that. So we, we operated under that assumption, and it ended up pretty much being correct. Just had to figure out the wait period. Yeah. So. Yep. If anyone's wondering, if you want to know how long an instance has been open, go to Adventurer List, go to the person who's been in there the longest, and if it's like 150 minutes or 160 minutes, that means that's how long the instance has probably been open. Of at least a reasonable guess. Yeah. So People can leave and then more people fill it up, but that's really uncommon. Yeah. So You may see it be light, like slightly less if that does happen, but that's about it. Yeah, and so far from what we know about critical engagements is that only one can ever be up at a time, excluding yeah. Castrum, except for the ones that obviously spawn in pairs, yeah. like the, the behemoth one. Um, and if there is a fate that will spawn, sorry, a skirmish that will spawn a critical engagement on the map already, you can't spawn another critical engagement fate. Sorry, skirmish. Yeah. So, like, you couldn't spawn Red Chocobo mm-hmm. while To Kill It With Fire's prereq is up. Or Unicorn Flakes yeah. is up. Yeah, exactly. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it seems like just killing a shit ton of Magitek is how you make any of the critical engagements with unclear conditions appear. Which, by the way, someone pointed out, the very first dialogue you get when you zone in, an NPC tells you that most of the time they send Magitek units to weaken the forces before sending in critical engagements. There is actually an NPC <laughs> that, that warns you of that. I, I don't remember that. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah. Could have saved us a lot of time. <laughs> and saved a lot of chocobo lives. Your video died, by the way, Sphere. 
Oh, it did? Yeah. yeah my... There's a yeah. giant cross through it. We still hear you, though. We still hear you fine. Yeah. So we've gone out of our way to do a bunch of testing if, uh... for, anyone who's curi- for anyone who's curious. Um, but other than going into more nitty-gritty like that, I think we're good at two hours and 40 minutes of a show. <laughs> yeah, we are. Oh, one more thing. One more small thing. <laughs> Go for it. Sorry. One more small thing. K.E. Zold, shut the fuck up. What? Okay. You, you probably hear her every skirmish she's in. Woo! Woo! <laughs> I have voices turned off, so no, I don't. Sphere, you know who I'm talking about? No, because, well, I do actually, but I turn voices off in this specifically because of that. Yeah. Yeah, so is is old one of the um one of the blades. She's the bard. And you can hear her you can hear her a mile away in every skirmish she's a part of. Woo! Woo! She is just happy about life. Can you turn her down? I'm gonna turn her voices on so I can hear this. And then I'm gonna make it my, oh my sub sound sly. I'm not gonna do oh that. God. <laughs> Please don't. Woo! Please don't. Woo! I can no. You Woo! know what I can do though? I can make it a, like a sound effect for like channel points. Oh no! <laughs> I'm actually. It's I'm, pretty bad. I'm infatuated with this. I'm gonna do that tomorrow. I'm going. I'm doing that tomorrow. I'm turning it's, it's, voices. It's on. really quite bad. <laughs> it is really annoying. You've given me motivation. While I'm waiting for my one v ones to spawn, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Well, again, it's every uh, every skirmish is all it's a part of. Pretty much most of the ones in the north, and some of the ones in the second area. Oh, I know which one she's in. Well, as soon as you said bar, I know exactly mm-hmm. which one she's in. I've seen that ranged LB three go off enough times. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah. right. But, uh, yeah, that's my own, my only thing. Okay. Well, with that, I think we can wrap up the show. Before we do our sign-offs, though, again, quick shout-out to the sponsors. Steel Series, again, we mentioned them at the start of the show, but we also mentioned our patrons, whose names have been scrolling in the top right corner of the screen. A lot of people have actually been still supporting, even through these hard times. And those who couldn't support, we left their names up there. With the way this year has been going, they still supported the stream, and we've still been keeping them on that list Uh you know, and for the foreseeable future at this point, we will. Because we are grateful to everyone who's on that list. Our patrons of Darkness, Kucha Cross on Genova and Kurnai Oni, also on that list. But OBS has been really messy, as a lot of you have seen with the show today, with everything that's happened. So uh, we've been avoiding swapping to the scene with their bonus images. But uh, we're still grateful to them. So thank you to them. And thank you to all of our sponsors over on Patreon uh, for supporting Stay of the Realm. We appreciate you guys. And with that, Sophia, thank you for taking quite a few hours out of your day away from not getting 1v1s. To uh, to join us. <laughs> Think of all the one v ones you could have not gotten into in the exactly. last. Exactly, I can. I could either not get one v ones, or I could come here and complain about not getting one v ones. Either way, I'm getting the same yeah. thing. So absolutely nothing. Yeah. One's a little yeah. more cathartic, though. Exactly. Yeah, so I think this was good for me. Yeah, this was a win. Now, now you've got. Now you're revitalized. You've gotten it out. You can go back, and you'll be ready. And you're ready to go. Uh, I'm gonna bid. <laughs> I was up almost all night trying to one v one. One, just, all right. Just do your Genshin videos and then go to bed. Right. I stopped playing, man. I just, I can't, <laughs> can't do it. Too much gotcha. Can't do it. Yeah. Don't worry. Did you know someone in our FC is AR forty six? Yeah. I said to them, "That sounds like eight hundred gems a day," and they said, it "Sure does." Oh my lord! Resin resets. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Absolutely absurd. Okay, before we get too much into Genshin, I know Sly, Sly doesn't need to hear about waif, Waifu, weeb of, weeb of the Wild, or whatever. So thank you for joining us, Fia. It's been a pleasure. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you at all the socials and the usual? Uh, sure, yes. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Sphere. Twitter is FFSphere. That's kind of, kind of it. <laughs> where I exist. He also the, posts YouTube internet. videos on his channel occasionally whenever he wants to post something about new content. YouTube channel Sphere Pirion. P-I-R-I-O-N. This is true. Yeah, I do do that. It's, it's very infrequent. It's usually just like... World first or Savage or whatever. Okay. Yeah. A, a couple of them. Yeah, yeah he's got but, a, yeah, just um, double yeah. world first videos on there. No big deal, right? <sighs> it's infrequent. Because I don't win enough, or else I'll be updating it more often, I guess. <laughs> don't win enough. You've won our hearts. That's okay. There you go. Yeah. Too sweet. <laughs> Thank you for having me on anyway. Thanks for agreeing. Uh, Thank you for I, I knew your sleep schedule was going to be kind of fucked this week, so I was wondering if you'd, if you'd really want to do it. So... Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Yes. Uh, Sly, you know the drill as well. Where can they find you at, man? Hi. Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Sly, a.k.a. Great Fox. Twitter at Sly the Fox. I'm uh, basically doing this because why not? Because I need I, I need, uh, I need armor. I need resistance armor now. So I'll just be doing Castrum and leveling other jobs and, and having fun. Having fun. Um, of course, I do station of ESOY every Saturdays, which is tomorrow. So, uh, feel free to tune in if you want to hear the 70s and 80s of Japan. Today so. on YouTube, if you're watching, by the way. YouTube will be tomorrow, so today on YouTube would be WSLY. Oh. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Time. Time is stupid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, station of ESOY every Saturday night around 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, if you want to come in and listen and just chill, you know. Got you. Perhaps if they were living under a rock, where could they find you? Well, I feel like I say Twitch every time, and it's really pointless, <laughs> given given the location this is taking place. But Twitter, yeah. Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. I don't even use my Facebook anymore. I'm taking that out of my spiel. I'm used to saying it, but I straight up have not used it in so long. <laughs> Right? Mr. Happy1237. Pretty much all those locations. Um, I'm working on the critical engagement guide. You know, it's funny. I wasn't going to have 1v1 guides done anytime soon, and now I can do two of them. I'm practically tempted to look at Balan and be like, listen, can I just borrow this real quick? Because I don't know when I'm going to get it. I'm going to try tomorrow (laughs) to get into that one. And if I can get into that one, then I'll do that video tomorrow as well. But I'm going to do all the critical engagements, all the 1v1s. A quick overview of the other factors, the leveling, the earrings, uh, some of the other things that are in there. But we're going to have a bunch of videos on that in the coming days. Yep. So it's going to be busy on YouTube. And uh, we're only about two months away from the next patch, too. So we should have uh, a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, Tuesday is going to be the Bajda lore episode. We're just going to be going over all of the different lore tidbits, the logs, the story, all that. Eth is going to be joining us for that. We're finally going to be doing the 5.3 Air Zivia or Navrant Zivia, whatever you want to call it at this point. Uh, That's going to be the following week. We don't know which day and what time yet. It'll either be Tuesday or Friday at noon. And then we can probably slide it back to the other shows we were working on when we were before all of the patch, like everything started happening. So uh, we've got uh, got a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline. But with that, everyone, thank you for joining us. We're going to go to a very short post-show, no more than two or three minutes at most, because Sfia needs to get some sleep, I need to get some water, and uh, we are 47 minutes over time. And uh, 
it's been a fun one. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. We will see you next week to talk about some lore. But until then, y'all have a good one, and take care. See you next week.